0: Welcome to Otaku Brothers, your friendly neighborhood gaming podcast featuring Rusty, R.E. Lewis, 2011,
1: and Ryan.
2: Hello everyone and welcome to episode 85 of Otaku Brothers. My name is Rusty and as always I am joined by my forever co-host and brother-in-law, Ryan, how you doing?
1: I'm good. I am exhausted. Why is that? So, I got a dog on Thursday morning. She is... Oh, I named her Nala. Nice. Um, odd, uh, the it took us king? like five hours to come up with a name. Um, there was Ahsoka was one of the ideas. Gamora was Rick's main idea. Um, and then there was... Gam- well, there, I
2: bet there was a whole bunch of ideas, but... Yeah,
1: there was. And then we ended up on Nala... Um, she's like a 66 pound pit slash lab mix. Mm -hmm. She's friendly as all hell, but holy crap, I feel like I've like had a kid and it's the kid instead of like having to change its diaper, you have to walk
2: it in 95 degree weather. It's a lot to do, but you know what? We'll get to more of the dog situation here in a few minutes because we have a special guest today joining us. Yes, we do. All the way from down South, we have Josh. Some may know him on the interwebs as Frantic from the Frantic Thoughts podcast josh how you doing
0: i'm excellent and um i think i'm eternally exhausted so that's just a given but besides <laughs> that i'm good is it I'm the good. southern weather or <laughs> yeah, is it
2: the southern weather that gets you or what is it
0: uh yeah that combined with just a very uh incredible like increased workload because of all this craziness this year but um i, I bet yeah, yeah it's it's besides that you know just chilling right now having a good time excited to be
2: here Good. Yeah, we well, are very to happy you. to have you on for sure and it's actually been a long time coming and you know this week um, well, Ryan and I've been wanting to have you on for dozens of episodes now and I think I re- reached out to you a couple months ago before you know the entire world went to crap and mm-hmm. I was just looking for a good episode to fit you in and The Last of Us spoiler cast seemed like a fitting podcast episode but I also got to thinking I'm like you know, I've been following Josh on Twitter for a while. I've been listening to his Frantic Thoughts podcast for a while. But then I was like, when did I meet this guy? And then I was thinking, I, th- I think it was on the Cartridge Club back in 2018 when we sat down with, with the Cartridge Club to talk about Kingdom Hearts. Is that, is that when we first met and started talking?
0: Yeah, that's when, when I first uh, had any conversation with you. Uh, I knew who you were. I knew you had a YouTube channel because I have, I have seen some of your older stuff back in the day. Yeah. Um, but I had never actually spoken with you and they're like, oh, Rusty's going to be on there. Like, oh, that's cool. I know he likes Kingdom Hearts. So I was like, sweet. And then that was a pretty fun episode. I, I remember doing that. Uh, it feels like forever ago. It feels like five years ago now. Just it does feel like, like three ago. years because, you know, how time is this year. But um, yeah, um, I think that's when we met, we met for the first time. That was pretty cool.
2: That's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm glad that you're also a fellow Kingdom Hearts fan. It's good to have you on. You wouldn't have been on the you wouldn't have been asked to be on the show if you weren't a fan of Kingdom Hearts. It's kind of a prerequisite to be on and talk about it Brothers. really is. Yeah. <laughs>
0: <So>. <laughs> oh, yeah. I, I love that sh- the series. And um your guys recent episode, I'm not sure if it was the last episode or the episode before my favorite Kingdom Hearts character is Aqua which I know that's an uh, old topic, but hey, that's my favorite in Kingdom Hearts characters. So.
2: Hey, any topic about Kingdom Hearts is always timely, right? And I'm glad that you actually brought that up because um, when Ryan presented the question, it really caught me off guard. I was like, uh, Riku? like I don't, Riku, Sora, Donald Goofy? So yeah, it kind of spiraled into like, oh yeah, I forgot there's like 15 spin off games in Kingdom Hearts that there's a whole bunch of characters we could talk about. Aqua's a great one. She's one of my favorites as well.
1: So then what would you give the third game score-wise? Where were you on that uh, train? I, I think that
0: game is is fantastic for what it is. Um, just because they backloaded the story, I have to knock down a little bit. I would probably give it like an 8.5 or so out of 10, you know? Because I feel like they kind of... It's like, all right, here's really awesome worlds, especially like the Pirates of the Car- Caribbean world. Yeah. I love that world especially. And then once you get to the end, it's like, okay, now it's the Kingdom Hearts story. Let's talk about this for three hours. And then the game's over. And, you know, I kind of wish they would have pecker- peppered that uh, through the entire storyline and stuff in the game because I think that's a missed opportunity. But besides that, I think it played well. Beautiful uh, um, graphics, you know, looks basically like the movies. And Toy Story just almost looks better than the original Toy Story. It actually does. Yeah. No and um, I I just had a great time with it. Uh, besides that one, you know, complaint.
2: Yeah, I'm right there with you. And I've yet to go back really and play it again. Once the, the DLC came out, I was like... Super gung ho about going right back into it, starting new game plus, or not even new game plus, an entirely new file on a more challenging difficulty, and I just kind of lost the motivation for whatever reason. But um, maybe I'll pick it up for the Xbox One for whatever reason and just play through that when I end up getting the uh, the Xbox One because yeah, it definitely I mean, deserves a replay through. Yeah, you need trophies. Well, yeah, I mean, I need the achievements on like, <laughs> every anything. platinum to satisfy my life's purpose. Right. So.
0: <laughs> well, okay, so, no, but I oh, go ahead, go ahead. Oh, sorry. I was going to say, I do know that I want to play through the DLC because that uh, music game is going to have story that ties in because everything matters, you know, in Kingdom Hearts. Oh, absolutely. So, you know, you know there's <laughs> going to be a story beat that that you're not going to really get because you didn't play that DLC. So I'm like, okay, before I play the music game, I definitely
1: have to jump in and knock that out sometime. There are so many story beats that, like, have gone over my head. Like, I barely... Be- <laughs> I feel like I didn't know half of like what's going on in Kingdom Hearts 3. So. Well, it was funny
2: because I remember, and we're derailing. We'll get back on track. I promise people. But um, it was funny when I was asked to be on the Kingdom Hearts episode with the Cartridge Club a couple years ago. I knew the question was going to come up, and I knew they were going to punt it to me like almost immediately. Because I've kind of just been known in the community as being one of the biggest Kingdom Hearts fans. And I knew that P2, he was like... Uh, so yeah, we're going to talk about story. Rusty, why don't you just go ahead and like summarize the Kingdom Hearts story? And I'm like, uh, uh, there's this kid that lives on an island. Uh, he gets sucked into this portal and, um, he gets a key, you know, it's just like, I had no idea how to summarize it because even as someone who's played through this game like four or five times now, adores it, loves the characters, loves the Disney aspects of it. I couldn't, if I had a gun to my head, explain the Kingdom Hearts story to anyone unless I had a Wikipedia page up. So yeah, no
1: kidding.
0: Yeah. I mean the the original game. I feel like is the most straightforward story, and that's saying something because <laughs> yeah. it's still pretty convoluted, you know. So no doubt. Um, there there was um before Kingdom Hearts three came out. I decided to play through every single game, but I didn't end up playing some of them. Uh, what's the card game? I didn't play the entirety
1: of, of that. That's
2: my like favorite. A, yeah, that
1: one's so good. Yeah. No, it's not. Yeah, it's. I yeah. know I, the card system. You don't like it, but like that. that I don't know. That was kind of my first. That was actually my first Kingdom Hearts game. Cause you had it on the Game Boy Advance. Hmm. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, I leveled up, if this gives me any cred in your in your minds, but Probably not. I got Sora to level 100 and Riku to like 95. I was committed to uh, the full experience.
2: Not committed enough. You know, you could have gotten Riku up to 100. <laughs> yeah, I know.
1: I let him down.
2: <laughs> we have to get back on track because I have questions for Josh. I know Ryan has questions for Josh. We need to know more about Josh because not everyone in our community knows who Frantic is. So the first question okay. I have for you, Josh, and we have to ask all of our guests, since this is a video game focused podcast after all. So what is your favorite cartoon of all time? Oh, favorite cartoon. I'm, I expect to use the video game. <laughs> <laughs> that, that threw me off.
0: Um, I had to. Let's see. That's good. That's fine. That's fine. Uh, I'm cool with that. Um, actually, I think nowadays it is Steven Universe, oh, which you've recommended this to me more, a number of times yeah it's a modern cartoon um and then if i want to say that's kind of almost tied with it is avatar the last airbender because that's just a classic yeah so um but i would say steven universe because it has heart it has you know it has action and it has um this kid it's it's kind of like you start off the show and this kid is kind of like super naive and then you just slowly throughout the episodes you see him grow up and you kind of um get very connected to him and his extended weird family because he is half of this mystical uh like beings called the gems and they're actually named after different gems so he's half gem and half human so Mm -hmm. he has to come to terms with the fact that he you know has this human side but he also has this he has these powers and this stuff that uh he was born with so as he grows up you kind of fall in love with him and his uh family which is really cool and uh, it it's one of those shows that will make you go holy holy shit one episode and then like cry and be like a mess the next episode so
1: (laughs) what is it on uh what platform
0: um i think you can watch all of it now on hbo max or hulu i think it's on hulu still for a little while it might move off of hulu after a while because i think they made like a deal with hbo max to be on there
1: but yeah what's the difference between hbo and hbo max
0: um so it's, like hbo decided to like put all their wb products together with hbo and that's basically what it is oh okay. so they yeah. got looney tunes and like harry potter and lord of the rings and stuff like that mixed in with the hbo stuff and if they actually have the, studio ghibli movies on there too like all of them yeah. so that's pretty cool
2: yeah if you were up to date to the frantic thoughts podcast ryan you would have known that he spent like 20 minutes on it a couple episodes I uh, yeah i apologize <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah. i can only consume You're so good. much
1: media <laughs> oh i it, i completely is it, understand yeah is it a separate subscription like you have to pay for hbo and hbo max or do you pay hbo max and then get hbo
0: i think like if people had hbo go before it like automatically upgraded to max it's very convoluted you'd have to like see okay what do i have if you have like cable it might be different i really don't know um honestly uh, my mom let me use her password for that. So I'm like, okay, that's, we're that's good. That's the way to go. <laughs> yeah. Yeah. I think Ryan and I, we uh, overlap we on so many We platforms. do that with like different, oh, sorry, I'm talking over you.
2: No, you're good, man. Yeah. I mean, I think we're probably going in the same direction. It's like Ryan and I kind of overlap on so many of the, you know, um, streaming platforms. It's like, he has my Netflix and my Disney plus and my Amazon prime and my, you know, I'm kind of starting to question if you, you know, dude, I, okay. You're so, whoa, before I sound like a
1: complete fucking mooch. Uh, <laughs> I offered to buy Disney, but you already had it for a year, so. Oh, you got that deal, right? That crazy deal?
0: Yeah. Yeah. So, I guess
1: I am kind of mooching, but whatever. Uh, Well, (laughs) my mom let (laughs) let
0: me have that, and she let me have the Hulu and Netflix, and then I gave her Disney Plus and that DC Universe one, which I don't really use it that much, but I know my brother loves all that DC, like, classic stuff. I did watch the Batman anime series again, I should say, but. Oh, heck yeah. Yeah, so. Yeah, that's on there. I was like, holy shit. And it's actually like 1080p. So, like, I'm like, oh, cool. This, like, looks amazing, too. So, it's like the Blu ray quality.
2: Yeah, the animated series is fantastic stuff. One of the best animated shows from the 90s, for sure. Oh, man. That um,
0: animation just holds up so well.
2: It does, right? And the storytelling, each episode, even though it's a short little bit, like 15, 20 minutes or whatever it is, it's so good. And everything with the Joker is just, it's next level. It's amazing. Especially anything. I'll oh, tell I was going to say,
0: anything you see for uh, um, Mr. Freeze is, like, <sighs> taken from that. You know, uh, the Heart of Eyes episode, Nora, and, you know, him going, like, had that really awesome monologue and stuff. Oh, yep.
1: that's, like, one of my favorite episodes.
2: Well, they really humanized the villains in that show, too, and especially for a kid's show, it's 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 really amazing.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Is that the Batman set that you gave me, those DVDs? Yes, it is. Okay. Yeah, because I ended up getting the Blue Blu-ray gets.
2: set, so I just gave you the DVDs that I had. Okay. but.
1: Oh, yeah, I have to get around to watch those. I'm watching Castlevania right now. Nice, the one on Netflix, which is I highly recommend it to anyone who likes a sarcastic protagonist and like vampires and like anyone who likes the Castlevania games. It's really good. We watched three seasons in like a day and a half.
2: Oh wow! Yeah, I never. Wow. I haven't really looked into that much.
1: Yeah, I I, I passed over it so many times on Netflix. And Rick said that it's worth watching. And we started one day, and we ended on like midway through season two.
2: Oh wow! Okay. So, yeah. Good stuff. Good binge. Um. So I guess getting back to the video game discussion. <laughs> yeah. Of things, question two. <laughs> yeah. Um. Take us back, Josh, to when you were like a wee little lad. Like, what are some of your earliest memories playing video games? Um.
0: When I was growing up, my parents were together until I was ten, and they got divorced. Uh, but I do remember my dad bringing home an NES with a used copy of super Mario brothers three nice. and sitting there playing it and realizing my mom realizing actually. And I remember it vi- very vividly that I was better at super Mario brothers three than I was, than my dad was. And I was, <laughs> he actually gave me the controller to beat levels for him.
2: That's awesome. So
0: that's one of the first memories I have. And, um, definitely remember being around maybe four or five years old getting Yoshi's Island for Super Nintendo and just loving the hell out of it and i I had already had Super Mario world had beat it a few times but Yoshi's Island when I was young i I liked it more than Super Mario World and um I just I just love that game and that I guess that's why I like platformers because that's kind of like where my roots are, you know mm-hmm. um, yeah, I was up.
1: gonna ask if you're still into platformers and that's why probably.
0: Rusty was super excited to talk to you some more. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> um, um, but yeah, I, I did get into some RPGs during the PlayStation 1 era which if you know me now I'm not super into RPGs. I'm very picky cuz I I don't know what it is nowadays. I think I just get very impatient with ter- turn-based combat. It's just how I am now, but back in the day I played like Final Fantasy 7, 8, 9, Legend of Dragoon. I love those games and I vividly remember having those memories and then occasionally I'll try to go back and then I'll be like, okay, I just can't capture that magic anymore. I just can't get into that style. I know you guys are super hardcore into RPGs, but I just, it's just not my style of game nowadays. And I I kind of miss it. You know what I mean? Mm -hmm. Um, But hopefully one of these days I'll just jump into one and just get captured again. But yeah, I just, I love those back in the day on PlayStation one. So
2: no, that's awesome, and and I'm right there with you. Like it's tough nowadays to go back to, and this is maybe just me speaking, and it sounds like you have similar sentiments, Josh. With turn based RPGs, I don't know. Like for me, the 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 RPGs that I've really connected with in the past, really decade, you know, it's it's Tales of Vesperia, it's Nino Kuni Two, Final Fantasy Fifteen, Final Fantasy Thirteen, Kingdom Hearts Three, really the entirety of the Kingdom Hearts series. It's these faster paced action back action based rpgs that i've connected with more just because i i appreciate that faster paced combat where you go back to final fantasy 6 final fantasy 7 those earlier ones that don't get me wrong they're brilliant games some of the most magical music in all of video games but Mm -hmm. they are just the slow burn of them i just i don't necessarily have the patience for and i think that's kind of what i lost when i was playing dragon quest 11 um a year and a half ago when I got it on PS four, this turn based combat on my big screen just wasn't really conducive to my gaming taste so much anymore because when I was in college, you know, I loved getting in the bunk at at night and just throwing on Dragon Quest V on my DS and just mashing the A button and just grinding a bunch. Because I could just mindlessly do it. And as a yeah. kid, when you had all the time in the world, yeah, those turn based combat, you know, it, it was like it, there was just a magic to it that now, maybe as an adult, I don't connect with as much anymore.
1: No, I'd completely agree as well. I mean, I don't know if that's why I didn't like the newest Pokemon, because I still say one of the best Pokemon experience I've ever had was that first initial Game Boy, I think just original Game Boy or Game Boy Color, with yeah. yellow, blue version, where, I mean, that was kind of the infinite infancy, infancy. infancy of mm-hmm. games, but like... Yeah, it's really hard to get into at least the turn-based RPGs for me, Um, especially with time being limited after work. mm -hmm. um, Do you want to do that slow grind or do you want something to keep you fully engaged?
2: Yeah, and this might even play into um, what your current tastes are, Josh. I know you're really kind of into, and maybe I I don't want to speak for you, but based on Mm -hmm. things I've seen you post on Twitter and talking to you in the past, it sounds like you're really into kind of these shorter indie-based games as well where you could play, you know, Ten of these indie ge- play, uh, indie story driven experiences, as opposed to like one classic PS One RPG. You know,
0: mm-hmm. uh, I think that nowadays it's more just. I, I like to try to k- keep up with games because when I was a kid, I would like pour over those magazines mm-hmm. and just be like, "Oh, my dog's freaking out." I- I'm-, I'm sure you can hear that. Um, but I like I just pour over the magazines, and be like, I-, "I wish I could play that." I wish I could play that. I wish I could play that. And then once I actually ha- was able to buy the new games as they come out and be like i can play that you know so nowadays it's kind of like i i like trying to keep up as much as i can i don't play everything i'm i pick and choose what looks great like a last of us of course goes to tsushima um I, i'm a really big sony fan as well I, I think it's because i kind of had all the consoles uh, as i grew up so yeah i mean and then there it is a time period where I just started diving deep into the indie games. And then that's kind of stuck with me. And that kind of started with night in the woods. I know it's not super old, like 2017 or so.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: Like I had played some here and there, but that game just really affected me. And I just really loved it so much. And I was like, is there more games like this? So I do like to go on the indie scene and just try to find like heartfelt little t- two hour, three hour stories to go through and, See what, what those little independent developers are talking about, you know?
2: Yeah, 100%. And, I, and I'm actually, um, I feel ashamed to say that I haven't played. And, and they're downloaded on my PS4. It's just a matter of time or when I'm going to get to them. Uh, but like Journey, I've never played that. Abzu is one that I really want to get to because I've heard that it has a phenomenal soundtrack. I love like the ocean. I think I, as, as terrified as I am of it um, in terms of like just my fear of sharks. I love watching dec- documentaries about the ocean in a game where you can kind of just freely swim around the ocean and see all this this sea life with this phenomenal soundtrack to complement the experience in abzu it's like i'd much rather spend three to five hours with that at times than as much as i'm enjoying xenoblade chronicles getting 40 hours in and knowing i have 40 to 50 hours to go it's like oh my gosh you know it's such a daunting commitment
0: Uh, um the thing there's nothing wrong with games like that i i completely understand like a deep experience um I always have, I do have background games. I do jump into all the time. I'm, I love Call of Duty and like Battle Royale games, right? I mean, it depends. I'm kind of picky on those too. Like the, I like Fortnite. I, d- I know like a lot of people are like, oh my God. But I do jump into that for a match here and there. Like Call of Duty, I play the modern ones every time they come out. Um, and then Minecraft. I'm always playing a Minecraft world. I have like a Minecraft world that has over 500 hours in it. Just like oh, wow. digging and that's grinding, right? You know, just yeah. digging and building materials and building mob grinders and you know just doing all that technical stuff I'm kind of getting into that more lately and it's been, been pretty cool.
1: Yeah, I would say that's I mean besides the creepers and all the terrifying shit in Minecraft, that's one of the best grinds. I think that's a grind that I can consistently do. Um I guess getting back to like when you couldn't buy video games or like as a kid where you had to be selective cuz you only got one video game, I almost miss those times. Not to be like, I'm old now and I have the ability to buy stuff, but like I almost miss the... It's almost like a Santa. Like, what is Santa going to bring? When well, you like, didn't have
2: the expendable income, right? Yeah. And then it was just that anticipation of like, what's the next game that's going to last me the next four to six months? Yeah, everything was more year. impactful. Yeah, I mean, you really valued and appreciated those select games that you got and you found every nook and cranny you explored every yeah. part of that game's world I miss that too because it's like now and we'll get into this when the games i've i played recently and I don't want to hijack the conversation i want to really focus on 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 josh's experiences here but um like I beat the last of Us part two and then i immediately went to these other games and it was just like in a day I completed like two or three games and it's like what what am i doing you know yeah. it's like you kind of just lose that sense of, um, I don't even know. Maybe like,
1: yeah.
0: Yeah, Or like you don't appreciate it as much. Like you don't, uh, and I mean, you still appreciate it, but it's not like this is the game I've been looking forward to for two years. And it's the only game I'm getting in this time frame, like six months or whatever. And, uh, you know what I mean? I yeah, like yeah.
1: You, the number of like chores you had to do to save up for a, like a sixty dollar game. Oh yeah, opposed to like you w- working now for like a few hours to f- save up for a game, opposed to like I've done chores for like three, four weeks.
2: <laughs> yeah, I months. vacuumed
1: the house like literally f- every day, yeah. <laughs> even though it didn't need it, for like twenty five cents.
2: Well, yeah, even for me, like I remember. Um, growing up I I was so weird my dad the allowance that I got every week was $7 and I appreciated it because my, my other friends were getting $20 a week for not even doing chores their yeah. parents were just here's $20 to do whatever you want but I got $7 a week and I told my dad, I don't even want the $7. I want that money to go to my Toontown subscription every <laughs> single month. So for like a year, I didn't even get an allowance. It just went to my Toontown subscription. And I loved every minute of it. No,
1: that's a solid investment right there. Yeah. 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 We never. Um, come- oh, go ahead. Go ahead, Josh.
0: Sorry, Ryan. Um, I was going to say, um, when I was growing up, especially in my early, like, say, anywhere from 13 to 16 years old, My grandfather was a contractor and he would have me come out and be a helper for the weekends. And then he would give me like 20 to 35, 40 bucks, depending on how much work I did. And of course, I don't know how much of a help I was at the time because I was a kid, you know, like a little kid. But I think he wanted to try to instill some work ethic into me and my brother. And uh, so I'd be out there for an eight hour shift with my grandfather working outside on a patio getting him nails, getting him a screwdriver, whatever he needed for his job and trying to help as much as I can. Cause you know, I'm little, but, um, that's how I bought my first console and I bought my PlayStation two oh. with the money. He gave me that from that. And I bought Tony Hawk underground and <laughs> metal gear solid Two, And I was like, I felt like I was like
1: some rich kid at the time, but that was pretty awesome.
2: That's amazing. Yeah. Just imagine from
1: his side, like how excited to see like little energetic you yeah. running around, helping him get nails.
2: So yes. I yeah and, and I, I mean oh, go ahead Josh I'm sorry I keep interrupting I mean it.
0: I'm sure, no I mean it's fine I I've, it, it, that's a discord call for you uh, but yeah it's <laughs> just um basically having that incentive even though it was only like maybe 20 bucks here and there or like $25 for the weekend I could say okay the PS2 is 200 250 whatever it was at the time and be like okay I could save for that um and I eventually did get a gamecube that way too so i felt like i was some rich kid at the time
2: that's awesome and i guess that kind of plays into my next question for you is and maybe it was the ps2 and getting that console but like at what point was this did you consider this to be like a hobby like this is i am a gamer like i love playing video games this is one of my favorite ways to kind of pass the time and invest my time was it the ps2 and metal gear solid 2 or was it a particular console or video game experience um I, when I was a kid of course I really enjoyed the
0: experience I loved PlayStation 1 the most I think back then of course that's that's what was out but um I think it would have probably been uh, Metal Gear Solid 1 mm. um just because um I've always loved movies and that that experience and of course Kojima has that style yeah. you know where it has a lot of cinematic moments I didn't really understand the storyline too well cuz I played it when I was pretty young but um, I remember sitting down and just putting hours and hours and hours just learning the stealth and uh, getting through that entire game on my own without anybody's help. And I just thought I was like the most badass kid ever. Um, and the Psycho-, Psycho Mantis fight scene, I was stuck on it for like a month because I didn't know I had to switch the controller port. And then like I remember like <laughs> switch to disc two. How do I really? I don't know. I don't know how to do this. And I had to figure that out. And I just remember that experience like just really coloring my love of story in games. And I think I think that's kind of stuck with me forever since then because uh, that that game's incredible. I've played it dozens of times since then. But um, yeah, I think that is what really just cemented my love for games was Metal Gear
2: Solid. That's amazing. I love hearing stories like that, especially when when someone tells a story, like a game for, for Metal Gear Solid, which I've, I've, I know a lot of people... Look at that game as what was cemented their love for video games, and then for someone like myself, like goes back to it now, and I just, for the life of me, cannot get into that game. Like it's just now, now when I go back and play it, to me, it's 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 so tough because of that almost isometric view of Solid Snake as you're walking through these environments. The controls for me, I just I can't wrap my mind around it. But I try to put myself in the shoes of someone that played that back in like 1998 or whenever it came out, and it's like. That would have blown my seven, eight-year-old mind if I played that as a kid,
0: you know. Yeah, I was I was eight years old, and um, my mom was dating an, an, a guy. Or no, actually, I think I got this after like it was new. I I must have because I I was probably like eleven or twelve, but um, uh, I'm almost thirty this year, just so you know. So there's a time frame if you want to figure not that look out. But uh, <laughs> 30 at all. I
2: actually thought you were younger than me, Josh. I did not think you were thirty years old. So wow. Yeah, I'm turn, turning going, 30
0: in October. So I'm 29.
2: Yeah. Wow. All right. Right on.
0: Everybody, I, if you see me in public, people think I'm like 19, 20. So I think that's good. You know, <laughs> yeah. I'm still looking young. Yeah, you I do. have that. Uh, yeah, that that youth, per, you know, that super energetic youthness to myself, I guess. But that's uh, right. It's whatever. the curls, man. It's the curly <laughs> hair. <laughs> the hair, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, but basically, yeah, I remember she was dating some guy and he, he was he turned out to be an asshole, but you know that it is what it is He he was he was a con- contractor. He worked construction. He made a lot of money So I remember one Christmas. I just got a ton of playstation one games and that was one of them and um Yeah, just going through that and experiencing that it was just mind-blowing to me and I think the controls do not age well especially for now I mean Going to Metal Gear Solid Two, I, that game is definitely a lot more easy to play. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, it's, I just think it's ingrained in me. I like, I just know how to play that game, and I could probably get through it in like eight or ten hours. Now it's a pretty fast playthrough for me. Um, I think it's a pretty short game in general, actually, c- especially compared to like Death Stranding, which is like sixty hours plus whatever oh, yeah. you know yeah in comparison so when
2: it's one of those things too where like if i like even for ryan when he and i first started hanging out and talking about the idea of doing a podcast and it was kind of a prerequisite for my my co-host to play through the kingdom hearts games to completion <laughs> i'm kidding but it's like hey ryan go play go play kingdom hearts one and he does and it's just like you get to deep jungle the tarzan world and it's like This is fucking infuriating. Like, Sora can't jump on the vines. He falls through the cracks every single time. And it's just... Yeah, it's so floaty and gross. and, And it's just so challenging to wrap your mind around the controls for a game that came out 18 years ago. And similarly, you look at a game like Metal Gear Solid, and for me, it's like so challenging... To go back and wrap my mind around the controls, or even like for you, like Ryan, a game that is beloved in your eyes as a kid growing up, and me as well, as the original Pokemon game. Yeah. If you were to hand that game to someone today that had never played it, that's I don't know, eighteen years old, they'd be like, "What is this? This is just garbage." Like my character moves so slow. You can't run. You can't run. Like in run. every other game. Yeah, yeah. and combat is super duper slow. And yeah, and so it's just. It's great to have that kind of nostalgia for these types of experiences, because for someone like myself, and I'm sure for you too, Josh, since you've played this game dozens of times, you can go back and play that game, and the controls don't bother you. It's kind of just something you've accepted at this point because you have so much nostalgia tied to the game.
0: Yeah, definitely. It's just like, when people say it, I can see it. I'm like, I I know these controls are not great. They kind of suck. You kind of get noticed like... When you think you're not going to, because you know it's kind of rough, because it's actually based off of the original series, you know the original Metal Gear, yeah, like the, the N- mm-hmm. uh, was it, MSX or whatever that version. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's literally just the same exact control scheme as that, but like in 3D. So it's like okay, it's you're basically playing an NES era game with 3D graphics at that point. Of <laughs> yeah. course, it's more advanced than that, but if you break it down, that's kind of what you're playing. So it's going to feel a little rough to play, no matter what you. No, no matter any way you slice it, so.
2: Yep, no doubt. Another question we have to ask, because we ha- you just have to ask this question for people that love video games. If you were stranded on a desert island and you can only take three video games, which three video games would you take?
0: Okay, the first one's easy. Um, I talked about it. Minecraft, because that's just an infinite game. Keep building up the base, going to Nether, go 100 blocks, and just like go to a new area, build another base, and just have like this huge infrastructure or whatever, just forever play that game. And um, two more is is hard, but I I think maybe like a Tony Hawk game. Mm -hmm. I'm not really sure which one it would be. Um, I really love that series. Uh, It might be Underground because it has a story mode that I've played a bunch of times, but I I I just feel like it's just so fun to jump in and just skate around. It's one of my favorite series. And probably for a third, That's it's so hard. No, oh, it's not easy. Do you, do we have internet on this um, place, on this stranded island, or no?
2: Oh, yeah, it's all or hypothetical. Does- so if you want to bring, like, World of Warcraft or some online game, it's all good. Okay, it'd probably just be, like, a
0: Call of Duty game, because it's just mindless fun. Um, oh, yeah. Probably, it's hard to say, because there's there's, like what, a uh, thousand and five Call of Duty games now something? <laughs> um, something like that. <laughs> yeah, I, I guess the most modern Call of Duty, because, I mean, that's pretty much what I'd be playing in the background anyway, so,
2: yeah. Yeah, I need to, um, what's the, uh, the mode everyone, Warzone? Is that is that what everyone's playing right now?
0: Yeah, it's, i I played it a little bit. Um, it's another Battle Royale. You spawn in a hundred people. If you die, you have to start over. But okay. it's like, Those are hard for me to get into now because like it's kind of just feels the same for all the games. I know they all do their own little gimmicks and stuff, but it's kind of like, okay, you go in and you got to grab all these resources, get all these guns, get all this armor, and then you die. That's like, okay, well, now I got to do this again. And you just Mm -hmm. repeat that process over and over again, unless you have like a really good squad. You know, if you had a good squad, it's a lot more fun.
2: Yeah. Yeah. Yeah, I wanna I wanna try and pick up and play like a competitive shooter because I know Ryan, we have, really haven't gotten into anything like that. Um,
1: I mean, you said The Last of Us,
2: my aim. <laughs> yeah,
1: <laughs> so, it's like, pretty yeah. terrible actually. Yeah. Is um, is Fortnite still a huge thing? Like,
2: are they still they're rolling out updates? Yeah, I they updated. yeah yeah. Okay.
0: They just they just put a new update where they flooded the map, which is interesting. And it's not like I play this game all the time. I think like maybe once every two weeks, I'll I'll sit down for like three hours just pick a play a few matches i usually win one usually once i get a win i'm like all right i'm good i'm good for a while you get that indoor from She's like i kicked ass okay i'm good you know and then a high so, note yeah that's um, good stuff but i i i think that if if i couldn't have internet i would uh have a dreamcast with crazy taxi just sitting there because <sighs> i love crazy taxi that's one of my favorite arcade games yeah that's if i a had game. like an actual like physical arcade game it would be crazy taxi it would be gigantic and take up an entire room but that's what i would have yeah so
2: that's a great question actually i love thinking about that you know when when laura and i we're still in a one-bedroom apartment but if we years down the road and i know it's an expensive hobby to get into and i wouldn't want to buy a bunch of them but if i could get like one arcade machine i think about like what would it be and i always go back and forth on this because there's so many arcade machines that i potentially point to or want to get NBA Jam is always, or not even NBA Jam, but NBA, um, it's like NBC Showtime. It was on the N64. It's basically like an NBA Jam clone. That's a big one for me. NFL Blitz is always one I go to, but also like Gauntlet Legends. It's also on the N64. You can get it on Dreamcast. It's just a great like four-player co-op, beat-em-up Diablo type game. That's a really good one. I don't know. A, a good solid pick for me.
0: I, I always love Robotron. Robotron 2064. That game's awesome. I love that game. The sound effects, the the screen, uh, just the feel of it. Actually playing on a real
1: unit is just really fun. I, I love that game.
2: Good stuff. Ryan, any any big arcade aspirations? Uh,
1: I never really played any arcades, even like the barcade. I mean, you were like, oh, yeah, let's play the Simpsons game or whatever. I mean, I'd probably go like Galaga or something classic. Yeah. Um, mm-hmm. But... That, I mean those are that's really probably the only one that I've had. You should just any. get the
2: episode one pod racing game and have Anakin's pod racer in your basement. Oh, I would love that. That arcade setup is so freaking cool.
1: No, that would be amazing. That or I mean, like Mario Kart where there's actually a cart and you're like you can literally chuck stuff. Like similar to the Japan, but that's not an arcade at all.
2: They have Mario Kart Grand Prix. It's an arcade game. Hmm. But Yeah, yeah it's only a Mario Kart race. with Pac Man in it. Yeah, exactly good stuff.
1: Yeah, I would definitely do pod racing
2: then. Awesome. Well, I don't want to like completely shift the podcast, but those are the only questions I had for you, Josh.
0: All right. Uh, I guess uh that was a fun show, see. You it was later. really fun.
2: <laughs> we're glad you joined us and uh, we'll probably see you never. I'm kidding, guys. The show's just getting started. We have a whole bunch of fun things to get to, especially the tail end of the show where we will be talking about everything related to the Last of Us Part 2. If you've not played that game or if have, have not finished it yet, You do not want to be there until you have done those things. But before we do that, Ryan, as we always do every single week on Talker Brothers, without fail, except for maybe a few episodes, we talk about the games that we've been playing recently. Yes. What have you been playing recently other than taking your dog out to the bathroom?
1: Uh, yeah, that's the hardest game of them all. Um, So I haven't really been playing much. I don't really know what I want to play to hold myself over to Ghost of Tsushima in like a couple weeks. Um. There's a new monster for Monster Hunter that's coming out on the 9th of July, um, so I'll be playing that a little bit. I played Sekiro a bit. Um, I ground out two trophies, and I was. It's it's a similar. It's more of a shinobi instead of a, a samurai game, but mm-hmm. I, I still wanted that kind of Japanese feel. And then um, when Ben was over, he gave me. Or I went through his shinies because I'm trying to wrap that up. So, I don't have to talk about
2: it again for podcast. all
1: of you guys. Um, I actually went through all of his shinies in his Pokebank and I was able to get 12 new ones. Oh, nice. So, I'm down to 26 to go. Oh, geez. You're yeah, almost there. I am almost there. Um, I can't wait to be done with that.
2: Uh, so, can everyone that listens to this yes. Talking Brothers podcast?
1: So, like, maybe like a month or two. Okay. And then you'll never have Good. to hear well, about
2: Good. Well, we'll celebrate it. for episode 100 for sure.
1: Yeah. It, I. I'm gonna be fucking done with it, (laughs) 100. I if it kills me. So yeah, that's pretty much all I've been playing. Um, I I think my gaming's probably gonna go down with having a doggo. Yeah. Um, We'll see what happens. She's she was freaking out because there was like noises outside. Everything's kind of new to her. Mm -hmm. Um, She's just trying to get situated. Um, Yeah, we'll see. I, I think it'll be more. Most of my time will be spent on walks. Yeah, I think she'll um, change your life for the better, man. Yeah. Dog is the best. So, yeah, I'm I'm really excited for Ghosts.
2: Yeah, it'll be good stuff. We're only me a couple too. weeks away. But um yeah. but Josh, what about you, buddy? What have you been playing recently? I mean, I guess other than Last of um, Us Part 2. <laughs> yeah.
0: <laughs> oh, yeah, yeah. I mean, on. I played Last of Us wasn't a short game. So, I played <laughs> that was most of the things I've been playing, but um besides that, I've been playing uh, Yoshi's Island because that's a Cartridge Club game. Now and uh, I'm doing gonna do the podcast for that for them So I've been playing that uh, in the third world so far. I'm playing on my SNES classic I, I was trying to debate like should I play it on my switch or should I play it on my SNES classic? And then I was like, you know what? I, I haven't really played this SNES classic I haven't I mean I have played it, but I haven't give it its due. So let's just play this play it on this thing So I've been playing that um, Wonderful game. It's one of my favorites. So that's why I'm doing the show for that and uh also been playing a little bit of what's the name of this game um there's this game called it's one of these weird indie games that i i like um it's called if found and it's about uh it's a coming out uh a woman coming out and there's a story about that i, I just kind of was attracted to the art style for it it's kind of like this sketchy hand-drawn look okay and basically it's like uh as you play and you go through this narrative it's you're kind of looking at her diary and it's like hand-drawn sketches and as she um kind of erases this negative past like her all this stuff kind of gets erased off the pages it's very interesting and kind of a, uh just it's just a fascinating game i was kind of
2: messing around with that um well so is i that, also tried i'm go curious ahead. is that like um like gone home where it's like a first person adventure game or i guess how is that game play structurally it's pretty much
0: like um you kind of it sounds boring but you kind of just click on dialogue and oh, okay. there's like these little animated characters that do little things on the screen that's all it really is very <laughs> are
2: you playing that on pc or uh, xbox or ps4
0: it's on it's on pc the the one when i was playing it this time um okay. but yeah that's i don't know if it's on any consoles honestly if um, found but, you said if yeah. found
2: very cool all right I'll, t- I'll have to write that down that sounds interesting
0: yeah, something. It's 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 a it's a little weird thing. I, I, I like little stories like that, and it's kind of puts you in the moment, uh, puts you in the mindset of whoever made the game, which is nice. And is that- um, I just recently beat this puzzle game called Anti Chamber. It's on play on, on PC. It's like a think about Portal, but uh, it has a gun that shoots little cubes where you solve puzzles with. And uh, this one's only on PC as well. I know that, that a lot of people here are probably console gamers, but uh, I, I play some stuff on PC occasionally. But yeah, I really enjoyed that game. It's it's a really cerebral game. Like It's really hard to figure out these puzzles because it has like this almost like MC Escher style. So like a good example is the first area. There's two staircases. There's a yellow staircase that goes down and a red staircase that goes up. And it's literally all white until you get to the staircases. So I'm like, okay, which way do I go? Go down. And then it just goes to the same hallway again. And then you're like, okay, well, I'll go up. And then after a while you figure out, okay, what if I go up the stairs and then turn around? And then it turns into an entirely different environment. You're like, oh, okay. You know, and then the puzzles kind of do like weird, like mind bendy things throughout the entire game. And it's it's not a super long game. It's like four or five hours. But uh, I I really enjoyed that. It, It gave me the vibes of like Portal because it's like, The puzzles are very solvable, but when you go in there, you just feel like you're kind of hitting your head against the wall until you have that one moment like, oh, my God, Eureka, yeah, figured it out, you know, so which is pretty fun. That's awesome. Um, It looks It's a really
1: pretty-looking game.
0: Yeah, it has a a really awesome art style. I think that's what really uh, had me gravitate towards it was just the art style. It's very
1: contrasty. It's a lot of black and white, and then, like, very specific things have color. If I'm looking at the correct kind of images yeah, of it i really definitely
0: like that. sounds sounds like it yes i think that's what you're, what we're talking about here <laughs> it's very uh primary colors like you'll walk down a hallway and it'll be like this entire hallway is indigo and then you turn right and then this entire one is like all white except for like this yellow square that you have to figure out a puzzle in and you know stuff like that so very neat, pretty is. yeah it's a cool game and besides last of us not much else uh I'm always playing Minecraft and just kind of hanging out, uh, watching TV and other stuff. But that's about it. I've been playing in the last couple of weeks. So good stuff,
1: man. You're making me want to get into the indie scene because, <laughs> <laughs> like, looking at some of these games, like the art styles. I think art styles are one of the biggest draws to these games, and a lot of the AAA now are just like here's photorealistic, and then you see stuff like this, um, and you're like, oh, that. It's nice. I mean, you can get the classic feel almost of like your childhood kind of games where it was meant to be like 16-bit and not everything was photorealistic.
0: There's a a really awesome, I haven't played too much of it, but it's always highly recommended on when people talk about indie games. There's a series, you can get it on Switch too. It's called uh, Anodyne. I'm not sure if you guys heard about it, Uh -uh. but it's kind of like a Legend of Zelda clone, but with more of a storyline. And the first game's all 2D, top down, like classic Zelda. And then when you go to the sequel, it switches from 2D to like an Ocarina of Time style Zelda.
2: What? So
0: oh. that style. So let's say it has like two. Basically, when you're in the overworld, it's 2D. When you go in the dungeons, it turns into like Ocarina of St- uh, Time style puzzle solving and stuff. And both of them have like this really awesome, complex story. So that's awesome. something to check out on Switch, too. I yeah,
1: just. Uh... Uh, I'm Googling that one. (laughs) Yeah, I think it's like A N
0: O Y D
1: something like that. Yeah, Y N E. I I like that style as well. Um, Yeah, I I mean, that's why I I fell into Octopath, and that's Square Enix, which is not like an indie developer. But they
2: published the game. I don't know who developed it, but it definitely wasn't. Yeah, it was, was,
1: but it was still that kind of the style. The same one as Anodyne. Mm -hmm.
2: um, Mm hmm.
0: The, yeah, I, ever, I, li- I like the Octopath art style. That that's the one game I'm like, maybe I'll play some turn-based just because it looks so pretty. You know, that,
1: <laughs> that's the one that like I compromised with myself because I was kind of at a crossroads. Like I wanted something, and Final Fantasy VII wasn't doing it for me because that's so classic that it has some of those issues from. Classic turn Some of based. the
2: mechanics are primitive, Yeah. Might
1: say. So Octopath was like, I still get a modern game with that old kind of retro feel. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah. that was good. I, I That's palatable. Um, and the music obviously helps. But that's one if you're teetering on the edge of like, I kind of want that experience, but kind of want something more modern. Might want to try that one.
2: Yeah. And I think the indie scene too. I mean, it's a dangerous beast because there's just an infinite number of possibilities and games you could potentially play. Yeah. Um, but I do agree mm-hmm. with with the triple A. It can kind of, you can kind of get fatigued when they are going for hyperrealism so often. Look how flashy and beautiful the game looks. Yeah. But I think you can on the other side of the coin say the same thing about something like Old Man's Journey or um, Journey itself, Flower, um, Bastion. There's just an, I mean the list goes on. And on even Gone Home and some of these other ones, Anodyne that have such beautiful graphic style. And I think they tell almost just as much of an intimate and personal story as something like The Last of Us. Yeah. You know, even if it is like a a one to like three or four person team. It's really an amazing thing.
0: Yeah, that's that's the main reason like I like that game Night in the Woods because it's like this very personal story about this girl going home for to a hometown, like talking to all her friends, kind of like feeling displaced a bit because I really related to that at the time, especially when I played it. And so like, just getting into that storyline and uh just i don't know i i i I like to cry i guess i like to get them feels i (laughs) that's that's what you know what i mean so
2: for sure uh those games really stick with me especially awesome man good stuff well sounds like you've been playing a whole bunch of good stuff recently uh i also found a kitten on the side of the road i guess i could talk about that yeah dude what's going on with hercules
0: (laughs) yeah so um I was I had just got off work like I think it's been almost a week now and my fiance she works at the hotel like a little maybe like four or five blocks from here it's it's very easy to walk there if she has to but I usually go give her rides and stuff but um she called me she's like Josh you need to come here now bring the cat carrier I was like why she's like there's a cat and it's bleeding and I was like oh no so I went over there I picked up the cat it had a wound on its face a little tiny guy like smaller than my hand you know super small kitten and um went home cleaned up his face put some uh you know like a little bandage on his face like what i whatever i could do to help him and we took him to the vet the next day uh, he had worms so we've been giving him medicine um I don't know if we're going to keep this cat. He's a little orange tabby cat. And I was like, he's so sweet and strong. He survived. He was by the highway. So we're going to name him Hercules. And then my fiance looked at me. She's like, yep, that's a perfect name. So I was like, all right, right, well we named him. So I don't know if we're going to keep him, but we might, we'll see. You know, it sounds like he's attached to to the hip at this point. Yeah, Uh, we're getting attached, so. Yeah, Yeah.
1: (laughs) naming it's halfway to adoption, so. (laughs) Yeah, exactly. Yeah,
0: I mean, we already have my cat, Storm. She's, like, seven years old, and then we have our dog, too, in an apartment. So it's like, well, if we keep him, we have to pay another freaking pet fee, but our apartment will allow it. So it's like, maybe, I don't know, you know, so.
1: They don't have to know. <laughs> yeah, exactly. You can kind of keep it. I know. In they don't
0: have to. I usually try to, just in case. You know. Yeah. Yada
1: yeah. Yada, yada yada. The ethical <laughs> route. Yeah.
2: Uh. Well. Good stuff. I'm glad everyone's adopting little furry friends and giving them homes. It's all important stuff. Uh. What's not really important and kind of lame are the games that Rusty's been playing in the past week. Um, <laughs> oh. I'm come still, on. Yeah. I don't know. I, I'm still kind of riding that. You know, the coattails in, in the um highs and low emotional lows of The Last of Us Part Two. So I, I really didn't want to commit to something that um, was going to take a lot of time or was very story-focused. And so, um, you know, like last week I talked about getting the Platinum Trophy in Spongebob Battle for Bikini Bottom, the Rehydrated Edition, which was really, really good times. And I was kind of just still in this 3D platforming kick. And I was kind of browsing the PSN store and something that's been on my wish list for a while was something that Pete Doerr recommended, um, and it kind of came out of nowhere, especially since I don't think we've had a movie that made it to the theaters in this series in years, and that's Ice Age. And it was a game called Ice Age Scrat's Nutty Adventure, so the little squirrel from the original movie. It's just a really traditional bare-bones 3D platformer starring this little squirrel where mechanically there's really little to no gimmicks. You As you unlock... Or as you play through this, these four different zones, collecting gems and collecting these tablet pieces as kind of the equivalent to Mario's stars, you unlock these different abilities, which the first ability you unlock is literally a double jump. The only gimmick is really at the tail end of the game, the last mechanic you unlock is kind of this um, telekinesis power so you can move uh, platforms and objects that kind of help with all the different puzzle solving in the later end of the game. But at the end of the day, again, it's just a super simple 3D platformer. If you can get it on the super cheap, I wouldn't pay more than 10 to $12 for this game. Graphically though, it, it really has no business looking as great as it does. There's amazing draw distances. The last level especially is kind of this Jurassic Park prehistoric level where really beautiful foresty areas where you have like a brontosaurus and all kinds of dinosaurs walking in the background and woolly mammoths and things like that it looks really nice but that's really the best thing it has going for it you know there's so many other platformers that i'd probably recommend before it because they're inexpensive and great, like Poi or Skylar and Plux, or I know Josh is a very big profo- proponent of uh, recommending A Hat in Time, which is a game that I need mm. to get as well and play, or I have it, I just need to play it. Um, there's probably so many 3D platformers that I'd probably recommend ahead of it, but if you're like me, where you've kind of exhausted your 3D platforming games this console generation, um, it's definitely one that you know might pique your, your interest. It's, it's pretty decent, I would say. Um, beyond that, I actually was... Uh, Uh, inspired by Nolan, friend of the show. Uh, He started streaming Max Payne on Twitch, which is a game that I always had an interest in playing back in the day. It's, of course, a Rockstar game, and it was on the PS2, Xbox back in the day. And you kind of play as this renegade DEA agent. Uh, He was previously a part of the New York Police Department. He comes home one day, and his wife and newborn baby are murdered, so he kind of has it sets his life focus on tr- trying to kind of right the wrong and find out who did it and get revenge and seek justice for that. Um, but it was kind of one of the first games that had that bullet time mechanic where you could kind of slow down time and dive forward and slowly, you know, shoot all the bad guys and things like that. So it's kind of just, I don't want to say a mindless third person shooter because uh, it is kind of have a, has a heavy um, story focused. But um, it, it's not a game where I, again I feel like it, it's not exhausting me like The Last of Us was. So I'll probably just in the next couple of weeks continue to play Xenoblade Chronicles and make more progress in that. Um, I just got to chapter twelve, about fifty hours in, and uh, continue to play Max Payne.
1: Wow! But did you know there's they're coming out with the sixth Ice Age? <laughs> what I, I didn't even like. I'm seeing trailers for the Ice Age six, the kidnapping. There's six of those movies? Yeah, I'm like, I, I've i seen... I thought there was like one or two. When did maybe the third one three? come out?
2: Because the first one was, of Ice course, Age. the original Ice Age. And then it was like, the second one was Ice Frozen Age Over or something like that.
1: 1, which is just Ice Age. And then you got... When would that even come out? 2002. Yeah, I, I love that movie. Ice Age 2, 2006. And I mean, that was I, The Meltdown.
2: Yeah, yeah, that's right. Ice Age 3. I mean, I don't even know the whole... Filmography. Dawn
1: of the Dinosaurs. Okay. 2009. Six wow. movies. Yeah. Wow, that's okay, crazy four. to <clears throat> Yeah, we. I don't really care after three. Continental but... Drift, 2012. Dude, that's insane. It's like Shrek, except worse. Yeah. Dude, Shrek had like what? Three? Four. Four? four. Six. Yeah. It's like
2: Land Before Time almost. <laughs> it's getting there. It's Jeez. getting there. Shrek 4 is actually surprisingly good, I think. See, purple. I um, I love one. I think two is one of those rare instances where I think it pretty much rivals, if not as better, in my opinion, than the first movie. Um, of I course, agree. I have so much nostalgic ties to the first one. I, I watched that movie. I, I The VHS tape almost broke because I kept fast-forwarding to the end of the movie where there's that whole montage of... She Likes Big Butts and You Cannot Lie song that they all do. You got feelings. (laughs) It's so good. I mean, every sleepover with my buddies, we would just fast forward and watch that like a dozen times (laughs) over. Um, And then the second movie was just so freaking good. Three, I thought was okay. It it was decent. Um, And four, I've actually never watched. A couple of months back, I actually got the collection on Blu-ray. So I have all of them. I need to go back and watch four, though.
1: Yeah, I watched...
0: Four's um, pretty entertaining. Yeah, it's not horrible. It's... It's good. You know, it's better than three. I okay. say that much.
1: It, it's to the one where, like, he turns into a human and he has to, like, win back the girl. <laughs> yeah. Well, so I, I, I listened to a, it was an analysis on using pop music in a movie and why some movies fail and how some movies are successful and why Shrek was so successful. It's a really, it, it's a YouTube video. It was, like, 30 minutes, but it was a really interesting take on, like, Um, why putting something like a song that is like a very literal language into like throwing pop music into a movie doesn't make it successful Hmm. Uh, but shrek did it in such a way that it made sense based off of like the characters and how the movie was played well i mean all-star
2: was was synonymous you know smash mouth's all-star was synonymous with shrek like you couldn't separate the two right yeah so Mm -hmm. it was
1: that's worth looking up i I don't know the name of the video, but it, it it explains why Shrek One and Two was successful with pop. Because music. of that, yeah. Huh. yeah, that's interesting. Yeah,
0: you, so. you know they're rebooting Shrek eventually too. They actually said they're bringing back the original cast with a new animation style and everything, rebooting it.
2: Really,
1: <laughs> new animation yeah. style is kind of worrying, but
0: yeah, uh, original I, cast could it, be cool. It, yeah, it's, and I, the thing is, is I think it's the same studio that does, am I, I might be wrong, that does the Minions movie? Maybe not, but I don't oh, know, I'm not the biggest yeah. fan of the art style for that. I mean, it's it's fine, you know, but if you huh. made a Shrek movie that looked like the Minions, I don't know if I would like that, you know?
2: Yeah, I don't know how I'd, on board I'd be with that either. I mean, I think the biggest thing is, if they're bringing back the original voice actors, It's it shows promise, but I, I have to see more of that. Huh. Yeah,
0: that that's been talked about for a couple of years. I think it's still like one of those things that's um going to come out way down the road, but they're definitely working on it. So interesting.
1: Yeah, that could definitely be interesting. Huh? Hey, if it's done well, I'm I'm game to
2: see it. Yeah, I'm on board with that. Yeah, it'll sell a lot. So <laughs> yeah, no yeah. doubt. I mean, parents will take their kids to it for sure. I mean, Eddie Murphy needs that. the
1: money, right? So
0: yeah, with his yeah. ten kids. Yeah, and then people like us that grew up with it are
2: going to be like, oh, we got to go see it. Come on, it's Shrek. Well, yeah, the wild so. thing at that point is like I might be taking my child to go see a rebooted Shrek movie. Yeah. Yeah. When I grew up watching Shrek as a kid, that that's kind of freaky. But unless there are more Ice Age and Shrek movies you guys want to talk about, I think we actually have an audio question this week to get to.
1: Yeah, and I think he's going to talk about Ice
2: Age or Shrek. <laughs> you never, You never know. I mean, yeah. maybe he's going to talk about, you know... What are the odds? A potential crossover between Ice Age and Shrek. You just never know what's going to happen. But we got... It's just Shrek slowly turning into an ice cube. <laughs> you never know, man. DreamWorks, With they got All some Star, crazy ideas. Like a sad
0: version of All-Star playing in the background. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> like
1: slowed down. You've got feelings. Like slowly freezing into You never know what's
2: going to happen. Um, but we did get an audio question from friend of the show. Co-creator and co-host of the Young Nostalgia Podcast. His name's Nolan, and I'm gonna pull this audio question up right now. The subject header is question via the audio waves. I'm gonna move this over to my second screen. My dudes, take the auditory or taking the auditory journey into questionhood, my friends. As always, love the show. Keep kicking some ass. But he spelled it the European way with the R, <laughs> and then in parentheses he says, "I'm so weird," Nolan. Thanks, Nolan, for the question. We'll play it now.
4: What's up, Rusty, Ryan, Frantic, Nolan here, long-time listener, first-time speaker, I guess is a good way <laughs> to put it. I really appreciate you guys taking this question, um, and I really wanted to kind of just support you guys. You guys do amazing stuff, as always, and uh, as nervous as I am about this episode, because I haven't played The Last of Us, uh, part two or part one, for that matter, and so then that's kind of where my question comes from but i hope you guys can get to this before the big old spoilers come across anyway so my main question for all of you are uh any are there any games that you felt quote-unquote left out on um like in terms of for me i haven't been able to play like the uncharted series or i haven't been able to play the last of us series just because i haven't owned a playstation um three or four for that matter so I just haven't been able to experience those games, but I know that they're very highly rated and very highly regarded um, in the gaming community. And you know that's something just like me not watching the the Lord of the Rings series. That's something I'm definitely trying to work on and get better at is to catch up on the amazing <laughs> no games one. that I've missed in the past couple of generations. So my question is, what games in the past have you felt left out on just because you didn't buy into a game console uh, generation or um, you know a, a game console side of it? Um, when those games were were prominent. Um, And then did your excitement ever remain the same up until you actually got to play the game themselves? Or, you know, if you heard any spoilers or they kind of just got stale in the gaming community, so then you either... Your excitement wasn't there as much, so you just haven't played it yet, or did it always remain the same up until the point that you played it, and now it's one of your favorite games? So again, for me, it's the Uncharted series and The Last of Us. I've heard amazing, highly regarded things about those games, and I'm really excited to dig in. My plan, my hope, is to actually buy into the PlayStation 4 uh, edge of things this holiday so then i can catch up on the backlog while waiting for seeing how the the new next gen consoles kind of play out um so we'll see uh, i'm excited to get into them i'm excited to see the opportunities but i hope you all are are doing absolutely fantastic in these crazy times you guys do good work frantic i'm excited to see you on the otaku brothers podcast seeing hearing you on the otaku brothers podcast your podcast rocks I definitely hit that subscribe button. Um, Also, congrats, Ryan, on your Nayla adoption. She is absolutely adorable. Uh, She needs to be the next guest on the podcast along with Scoob (laughs) in the background. Uh, Frantic, hope you keep Hercules. That's a very cute cat. So good on you guys for rescuing our furry friends. They need it just as much as we do. So you guys rock. Thank you so much. I really appreciate you guys taking the time to listen to this. Um, And yeah, just keep the chins up and let's push through it. You're awesome, guys. We'll see you later.
2: Excellent question, Nolan. Um, As you were talking, I was just trying to wrap my mind around the number of franchises or games that I I missed out on or I just never got around to or even still to this day I'm thinking about going uh, or playing. But I'm curious if our guest, Josh, anything really sticking out to you? Any game series where you're just like, Man, I either didn't have the means to play it, I didn't have the console, and y- you finally got around to it. And I, you, you, I'm sure you, you know, you heard Nolan's question. You were thinking about it as he was discussing mm-hmm. or asking us. But like, what are your thoughts about all that? Uh, first off, I want
0: to say Nolan's such a nice guy. Like, I, every time <laughs> I see him online, I'm like, dude, this guy's so like. He just like emanates positivity, which he does. I love, yeah, so, yeah, was just really cool. Um, and I appreciate the compliments and stuff. That's awesome. But um, I think the series for me. Uh, is uh, Mass Effect, mm. if I can talk Mass Effect, yeah, because uh, I'm always been a PlayStation guy, and um, I had a PS3. Mass Effect came out on Xbox 360 first, and I always was kind of jealous of it. Like it looked like a really cool series, and I have kind of dabbled in the series here and there. I had I have them all on PC. I played them on Steam, uh, actually Origin or whatever uh, the EA launcher, and um, I've played the first one like 10 hours and there's like that little weird Mako thing or like that. I don't know. It's called Mako, right? That have you guys played Mass Effect? The Warthog
2: equivalent in Halo, you mean like the little, uh, the, um, the, the car you're talking about?
0: Yeah. It's the car. It's, and I, those sections really drag for me. And that's really what made me stop playing that game. And, uh, I played the second one and just something came up. Uh, I've only played a few hours of that, but I never actually dove into that series. But every time I hear people like, talk about it there's like huge fandom behind it you see the n7 logo everywhere and i was kind of like jealous of people being so excited about something you know
2: yeah for sure mass effects a big one and it actually was a series that in college i was kind of in the same boat where i could never i never had the means to play it i never even really had necessarily the it wasn't the desire it was the time commitment to play them and then i came back for summer break i think at one point or maybe it was winter break from from school and i just played through like the entirety of the trilogy back to back to back. I just fell in love with the series. And it's one of those things where I'm not sure if you've played the telltale games, um, Josh, but it's one of those things where like you literally have the means of causing a character survival or death based on your decisions. And to have that impact and influence in the story beats was just so significant and amazing in my opinion. Uh, and especially these space opera stories. I love star Wars. I love star Trek. So, um, I hope my gosh, EA and Bioware. I don't know what they're doing, why they haven't remastered that trilogy for current generation consoles. It's beyond me, but if they ever do, and even if they don't, I think it certainly warrants a second try. Those games are amazing. I know Nolan is a tremendous fan of the mass effect games as well. That's a really, really good one for sure. Um, Yeah.
0: Just, uh, it's, it just passed me by which happens.
2: Oh yeah. Happens all the time. Happens to the best of us. Ryan, what about yourself?
1: Uh, one second, I'm trying to remember the name of this game. So I have have a lot that I've actually m- missed on. Um, I I'm kind of first. Thanks for writing in. Um, we're still working on a format that we can have animals contribute. Um, <laughs> yeah, speaking of Eddie Murphy in Shrek, if he comes back and joins this podcast as Doctor Doodle, he can translate for us. That's right. So we're working on getting him on board as well. Um, I would, Last of Us 1 was, I'm kind of in the same boat. I never actually played it. Um, I eventually watched it after like seeing the hype, maybe six months after everyone was like, holy shit, this game's amazing. Mm -hmm. Um, And I, watching through it, I was probably good enough for me, but yeah, it's definitely a game worth playing. The second one, we'll get into it, obviously in the spoiler section. Don't listen to it. Mm-hmm. Play it yourself. But um, other ones, Jack and Daxter, and all those platformers on the PlayStation 1 and 2, I never had those. I was Xbox 360 kind of person. So um, I would have loved to play those. Rusty talks about them so often um, as his childhood favorites. And really, all of those, like even Knack. The, and like the oh, lost shit. juju's on like a GameCube.
2: Oh okay, you you mean Tack and the Power of Juju? You said Knack, and I'm like, you just opened up a can of worms with Josh on the podcast here. Oh man, nah. yeah.
1: <laughs> Tack, what a! Cl- I was I was really close. I mean, I it was rhymes, like, so yeah. Um, <laughs> so yeah, I would have loved to play those in their prime. Mm-hmm. Um, and if PlayStation Five, if I ever get one of those um, when it's on sale. I would love to have some of those be purchasable again, mm-hmm. um, just so I get that experience. Um. Well,
2: I will say for you, the Jack and Daxter series in particular, I'd, I'd focus your time on getting the Precursor Legacy, the first game, and actually they're running a...
1: Is it the one... Which one did you give me for the PlayStation 3?
2: That was the Ratchet and Clank Trilogy. Yeah, those PS2. as well I would have loved to Those play. are really good games. Again, I, I, I think it, it kind of gets out of the way of the 3D platforming aspect a little bit just because, don't get me wrong, the first three Ratchet and Clank games on the PS2 are amazing platformers. Mm-hmm. Um, Insomniac, Gosh, God love them. They're so good. and But it gets away in the fact that you have, it's, a, it's really a focus on the gunplay and all the wacky games that are really straight out of um, a Resistance game or even Perfect Dark, which makes yeah. sense because Insomniac developed the Resistance games. So you have all these wacky games. It kind of takes away from the platforming aspects of it. But what I was going to recommend is right now PSN Store is running a HD remaster type sale. So you can get like the Spiral Trilogy and the Crash Bandicoot Insane Trilogy for like half the usual price. But you can also get a lot of the PS2 games that they kind of up-res for PS4 for half the price. And the Jack and Daxter Trilogy is one of those series. And so it's an absolute steal to get an HD up-res Jak and Daxter Precursor Legacy for 7 bucks. And I think that would be... A phenomenal place to start, especially for someone like yourself that just recently finished The Last of Us and kind of needs something to come down from the emotional highs and lows of that game, that'd be a good place to start.
1: Yeah, I'll definitely have to look into that. Um, I could probably maybe finish in the next couple weeks Mm -hmm. between games. Um, The other one are some of the Xbox exclusives. Um, Halo 5 is one that I missed out on. I love the Halo story just from... I mean, the original game was so iconic, and that was kind of when we were starting video games was Halo 1. Um, so Halo 5 is just that continuation. I would have loved to be able to play that um, on couch co-op, and they, the reason I couldn't play it, um, borrowing, or going to my, or sitting with my roommate is because you couldn't do couch co-op. Yeah. And that kind of ruined it for me, but I would, have, I would love to play, if I ever get an Xbox One, that game. Gears of War is another series that I never played, and it was so hyped back in the day, like high school, maybe early, late middle school. The first three games, I don't, I can't speak for four and five or like the twenty games that they have now, like the tactical games either. But the first three are so iconic, similar to the Halo games, um, and that's why they keep doing that IP. But I would have loved to have played that in its prime i'm i'm also on board with the mass effect games mm-hmm. i never played those i i feel like i shouldn't be on a gaming podcast How the fuck for like did you even <laughs> make it on the show yeah, with me like the naming <laughs> all these like here's the all these iconic series like i played dark souls once so like no like well, mass effects another one we're you gonna say
0: josh that that's, that's a series for me like uh that i wish i could fall in love with is dark souls um I've tried every single Dark Souls game and I just can't get into it. I don't know.
1: Yeah, it's so. definitely an acquired taste. Um, y- Bloodborne was the one I played the most, I think. I, I
0: had a good time with it for... I, I got pretty far in Bloodborne and I, I really liked the setting and stuff and I just kind of, after a while, got my ass kicked too many times. I was like, okay, I'm going to take a break and then I never went back. So. Yeah.
1: Yeah. No, I'm... The hard thing is like coming off a... Like, long day of work, and then do you want to just be, like, fisted by these ugly creatures? Yeah. Like, over and over again, and, and I could see it being a very hard thing to get into. Um, I mean, you can fist uh, those pigs in that game, so. <laughs> <laughs> That's right. Ryan's done that many times. hours. Yeah. Like, the number of times I've been in pigs, mm-hmm. it's, like, almost unhealthy. Uh, um, <laughs> Bioshock's another one? I, I, I mean, I own the full series of Bioshock and Mass Effect. Um, those are such iconic games, and the gunplay is amazing. I just was never able to get into it. I, I think I played the first one a little bit. Mm-hmm. Um, I, it, uh, sorry, I mean I was going to say, my suggestion
0: for that series, it does tie in a little bit with the first game, but maybe we'll read a synopsis of the first game. No, I, that's ruining it. I would just say play an infinite if if anything because the setting and the tone yeah. of that game is way different than the first one
2: and, and especially for someone like yourself ryan that isn't big on like horror games i yeah. went back and played like 75 of the first game again a couple weeks back when i didn't know what to play um and for me bioshock is almost comfort food game because i've just played it so many times yeah um but there's actually it's pretty creepy actually when you're running through the underwater scenarios and you have these weirdo splicer like you know, female characters and even guys are just running around just like, like, like making all these like freaky-ass it, it's noises. It's terrifying.
1: It? And then the first time you do like a big daddy fight scene, it's completely dark and it's just like charging at you and you're like,
2: the fuck am I doing? Yeah, what no, f-? I think that's a good recommendation, Josh, is just playing Infinite but reading up on the lore of the first two games, two actually doesn't get yeah. as much love as it deserves even though Ken Levine didn't have his hand in that game. But Infinite is set in the sky so it's beautiful graphically... Yeah. It, I would say, I've actually my gamer uh, confession here. I haven't played Infinite all the way. I've only played a bit of that, but there's all kinds of like weirdo political propaganda plastered on all these posters. If you pay enough attention, you'd really like that game, Ryan. No,
1: I think so too. I've only heard good things about Infinite. Yeah.
2: Um, yeah, Yeah, I think you
0: should play through it because the last two hours, they like do this. They do kind of an exposition dump at the very end. But it's so well done, and the the time travel loopiness and just the mind bending like thing they do at the end of that game is just like is like one of the most unforgettable moments I've had in a game. So it's if you ever stuff. get the chance to play through the ending of that game, I think you'll love it. it It kind of floored me when I played it originally.
1: yeah, I'll definitely have to pick that up. That's on PlayStation, right?
2: That might even be part of the remaster sale because you can get the Bioshock collection for probably 15 bucks, 20 which is a steal. Well, I
1: think it, it was um, one of the PSN like monthly things. I, I think I picked it up.
2: You may have. Yeah, I don't it know. was. Yeah, yeah. yeah, so if you download So that, I might
1: have Infinite. That'd be cool. Yeah, you should do that. Um, I have two more that I was I quickly jotting down. Um, sea of Thieves. It, it had a rough start, but the concept of being a pirate, looting these islands, building your ship, and having squads. I've watched a shit ton of gameplay, and it looks amazing. Mm. Um, I think... I, I don't want to say it's dead, but it had a really rough start to the point that like, people were raging on it. But I think it would have been fun to play with a group of people. Yeah. Um, and then, I haven't played through the Knights of the Old Republic fully. Yeah, I haven't either. That's and, another one for me. And... It's weird gameplay, and it's hard to go back to, like those really old mechanics. But I would have loved to fully play through it. Um, I think I played the second one up to a point, and I think my the way I built my character wasn't good, and I couldn't escape escape hmm. that scenario that I was going into. So I just kept running in and dying. I think it was versus like Malik. Um, so I was I was also a child. So I'd like my strategy was like throw a grenade and then I just get destroyed. So hmm. I kind of rage quit that one, but I would have loved to play through those because their
2: stories are amazing. Yeah, those are all. I didn't. Yeah, gosh, you were like making a whole laundry list over there. I just have a couple here.
1: Well, I mean, you've played far more games, and you're you're a better gamer than I. <laughs> it's a problem, actually. I wouldn't. <laughs> yeah, it's, say it's also disease. <laughs> yeah.
2: Um, no, I think for me it's twofold. One, we already talked about earlier in the show, and that's the Metal Gear Solid series um i played more of two than i played of the first game and i found that that game catered to my gaming tastes much more because it was as if i was playing a splinter cell game almost but with with a more uh, a greater emphasis on story and so i mean i have literally all of the metal gear solid games i have the legacy collection on ps3 i have the phantom pain collection with ground zeroes on ps4 so it's just a matter of when I'm going to k- go back to those games. I guess, Josh, maybe I'll, I'll kick the question to you. Have you played all of those games? Oh, yeah. I, I love uh, the first four games are
0: some of my favorite games of all time. I think five is a very well-playing game. I think the storyline kind of suffers because I think, you know, the infamous story of Kojima leaving Konami and all that. I think yep. he, he didn't get to finish it completely. So the stories kind of felt a little rushed in the fifth one but besides that the one through four the gameplay and the story is just uh it gets the kingdom hearts levels i'm gonna say it number oh, four yeah. is so you get in the weeds a little bit but if you play all the games it has that payoff where it kind of ties up all the loose ends and i just really 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 love the series it's one of my favorites so
2: okay so with that said then what would you recommend me going back and starting with because i've tried the first game. A million times. Do I keep going back until it clicks? Or do I spl- go back and play like Sons of Liberty or Snake Eater? Um. Honestly, uh,
0: I think, I don't know how many how long the cutscenes are for the first game. But if you want to just watch the cutscenes for the first game because you don't like the gameplay. Um, it does set there is some payoff later on in the series for knowing the story okay, of the first good. game. Yep. So maybe you just sit down, crack a beer open and watch it i think it's going to probably take you like five six hours you know to watch through that okay and then play play two three play play it in release order play two okay. three then four even though three does actually three and five are in the past so actually five is a sequel to three if that makes sense
2: interesting yeah i've I've looked at the chronology yeah. of when those events take place and it's crazy it's it's worse than kingdom hearts <laughs>
0: yeah it's 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 similar to the thing i would say about kingdom hearts you probably want to play uh, as they come out because the gameplay improves as you play through
2: them so gotcha no that that's a good tip i will definitely have to do that because i i just feel like that's a a box in my my gaming history that I, i i don't just want to check the box because i think so much of that those stealth mechanics really cater to what i love in video games so it's definitely up there on my bucket list of playing the next series for me uh, for forever, was Resident Evil. I just, um, I grew up watching horror film, so I was always big into that genre, but when it kind of crossed over into video games, I could never really get myself to play them after getting a jam-packed demo disc on the PS2 with one of my buddies, and it had a demo for, I think it was Silent Hill or 2 or 3, where you were going through this theme park, and there were these guys in bunny suits with their heads cut off, and there's blood all over the place that were just sitting on benches, and it was just like... This is just, I can't do something like this. Like, it's one thing to watch something play out and not have any control over it, but when you're put in the shoes of a character that's being chased by these crazy monsters, I just couldn't commit to something like that. It was not up my alley. Until I played Resident Evil 4 on the Wii, and that's when everything clicked with me when it came to survival horror games in general. Um, And now I would say that if I'm ranking my top 10 video game series... I'd really have to sit down and and crunch the numbers a bit, but I think Resident Evil would probably come at least at the tail end of that list for how how much I've grown to love that series. And it's weird weird lore and how they continue from one game to the next, even if it's not um, a, a cohesive story, the characters... Still have reoccurring appearances, which I think is really neat. So, um, Mm -hmm. and and then I'd I'd echo a lot of what you were saying, Ryan, about Knights of the Old Republic and things of like that.
1: I would. Uh, I would also say Resident Evil for me as well. Um, That's not my genre of games, as you know. mm -hmm. But like Evil, us playing together or me watching you play, um, I can definitely appreciate why people love the series. I mean, I had a shit ton of fun with the batons, and that's just like melee combing
2: In Resident yeah. Evil 5, yeah. Yeah,
1: our way through the entire game. Um, I don't think I can do the really locked um, camera angle. It's just not what I'm used to and not what I find to be fun. But someone who's skilled and has actually like knows how to play in that like box, I can appreciate it for yeah. sure.
0: Awesome. And that's a series I never played as well. Um, I've been, I have a list of things I want to stream. And it's just like the matter of actually finally getting down and sitting down and streaming. But I want to get my little brother and then have him come over and turn the lights off and just stream (laughs) some Resident Evil. Get into it. I think that would be fun. That'd be a really fun stream.
2: Well, and the crazy thing about Resident Evil 2, especially, you know, you can stream right out of the box with the PS4, Xbox One, you can literally play the entirety of the Resident Evil series beginning to end on a PlayStation 4 console, and I think an Xbox One as well for that matter. You have literally Resident Evil 0 and 1, the Origins Collection, all the way through Resident Evil 7 on the PS4. The fact that you can play that whole series now, with the exception of um, Code Veronica that was on the Dreamcast, of course... And maybe some other random spin-offs. but even the Revelation series one and two, you can play that on PS4. So it's just amazing that you can play the whole series on one console. Yeah. Because of the remasters.
0: It's, I love seeing the collections. Like someone's like, they I've seen like a picture of like all the boxes next to each other. I was like, that's just that just like gets something in my brain, makes me feel good just to see all all those games on one console. Like it's that.
2: a it's amazing. Yeah, it, it's really pretty neat. Yeah, it's good stuff. But um. Wow, what a great question. Nolan, thanks again. And just as Josh was saying, you just brighten all of our days with your amazing radio voice and great personality and overwhelming positivity. It's always appreciated. And if you're not following Nolan and his podcast, Young Nostalgia, you should be. He's also streaming on Twitch. Um, I wish I knew your Twitch handle. It's like APOC something rather. Just go find Nolan on Twitters. He's great. He's a really good guy. But... We have to get to the main topic of the show, folks. We are going to be talking about all things The Last of Us Part 2. I want to discourage all of you if you've not played the game or if you're in the midst of playing it now and have not seen the credits rolled yet. Or the, if the credits have not rolled yet, do not listen to the back half of this show, okay? Just because you may have read certain events that have happened in the game and you just thought, like, oh, no, I'm not going to play this game, trust me, this is a game that you need to experience yourself and, and formulate your own opinions. Trust me when I say that. But from here on out, we are getting into spoiler territory. But before we do that, I want to have some phenomenal music by the brilliant composer of The Last of Us Parts 1 and 2, Gustavo Santaolalla. take us in to the spoiler-filled discussion of The Last of Us Part 2. One. let's get to the main topic of the show we are going to be talking all things the last of us part two including spoilers this is nothing but spoilers so if you've not finished this game if you've not played this game you need to tune out of the episode and come back to it when you have done all of those things
1: yeah the first thing we're going to talk about is the beginning game spoiler so do you want to get, we can do a countdown? Be mindful of that. Yeah, yeah. no,
2: I mean, you're, we're here. I already warned you earlier in the episode. So get out of here. If you've not played this game, please come back when you do, because this is a masterpiece that I think should be experienced by everyone. Now, the past two episodes, Ryan and I have talked about our spoiler free thoughts about initial impressions and even the end of the game. So Ryan and I have talked a bit on and off air. You know our thoughts, you know, we're kind of overwhelmingly positive about this game. But we have a guest on specifically to talk about this amazing game. So, Josh, I have to know, what are your thoughts about The Last of Us Part Two? Did you play the first game? Did you have any leaks spoiled for you going into this one? I got to know it all. Where are you at with The Last of Us Part Two?
0: All right. So, I was on the internet, and I made this petition <laughs> to change the storyline. No, okay. Um, no, he's oh, one of those guys. <laughs> yeah. It's it's an incredible game. Uh, both games. Um, I love the first game to death. Um, the relationship between Joel and Ellie. It's iconic. It's it's amazing. Um, the the uh, the way they build the world in this series. It's just unparalleled. I think. I think the way they set the tone for everything. The environmental detail. The voice acting. The you know. It's they spend some money on this game. You know, you know that's one know, thing yeah. you can see. Like they spent some money to make this game look amazing, and then there's a lot of care and uh, just thought that, that gets put into the storylines and the characters and the characterization. They get good actors that just pull off awesome storylines. So I did play the first game. I've played it to completion a few times, and I had not never played the DLC. So a few weeks ago, I decided to play that, leading up to two, and it was just as good. I felt I feel like the gameplay improved a little bit in the DLC. And I was kind of getting primed for a little bit more Last of Us. I played that DLC. It takes like, what, three, four hours. And I was like, okay, I I need more of this. I can't wait. And when I got this game, I couldn't put it down for the first few days. And actually this whole time, I I feel like I had more marathon sessions of this game than almost any game in recent memory. Mm -hmm. Uh, Maybe, I think Death Stranding is probably tied, but this has been a very good year for me for games because that game was awesome too. But that's a different story. Uh, this game is a masterpiece. Um, it's it's one of my favorite uh, games of this generation for sure. I think everything from the environmental detail, the storyline, the gameplay, the characters, the the acting, the facial capture. I think almost any it's you could start nitpicking the story plot points and the yeah. way they. <clears throat> Pace out the storyline if you want to. I, I kind of mm-hmm. enjoyed how they did it, which we will probably dive into a little bit more. But all in all, man, this this game blew me away. And I it was, it was basically the video game equivalent of a page turner. I did not want to mm. s- stop playing mm-hmm. until I found out what happened at the end of this game or what happened next. I just wanted to see that next story beat. And just how powerful all the... The characters are and the the acting is it's it it'll go from making you cry pro, to making you feel like super happy to punching you in the gut with some crazy story beat within like two hours and it's just like the way they 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 played out this game is just fantastic and I I absolutely love it
2: so no that's a great great synopsis for sure and I loved your comparison to to a, a page turner you know like a novel that you just cannot put down. Chapters seem like sentences. You're just flying through it, and I feel the same way. I cannot think of another game in recent memory, or for really console generations, where beginning to end, I just I felt like I needed to play this game to completion in just a short handful of sittings. And I did. I played this game beginning to end in three sittings. I didn't check to see my timestamp, but I think it was. Certainly north of 25 hours, probably just under 30. And Friday, 10-hour marathon session. Played till 1 o'clock in the morning. Saturday, same thing. 10, maybe 12 hours. And then Sunday, uh, I went to my dad's for Father's Day, came back, booted it up around 2 or 3 in the afternoon. Credits rolled around 11, 12 o'clock that night. I think Ryan literally had the timestamp. It was like 1038 because he got a fucking Scyther, shiny Pokemon, and and, and Pokemon. (laughs) Yeah, it was like 1040. Any, any, any texted me about it. Um, yeah, I'm, I'm right there with you. I think this is cinematic storytelling at its finest in a video game, no less. I think they took everything about the first game in The Last of Us Part One and outdid themselves in just about every regard. I, mm-hmm. I, I never, you know, and a lot of the criticism coming into this game, and, and we're going to get right into it here, is Joel dying, right? For me personally, I talked about in the prior episodes that I had a story beat spoiled for me. I was on Twitter, I posted a picture of my dog, he looked sad, and I tagged Neil Druckmann and I hashtagged The Last of Us Part 2 and said, waiting for The Last of Us Part 2 got me like Scooby, sitting here looking sad. And within seconds, this burner account replied to me and said, too bad Joel dies. And this message came across my computer screen as I pulled up Twitter because I saw a notification and I thought maybe Neil Druckmann retweeted me or said, hope you enjoyed it, whatever. Or even maybe he, he liked my tweet. And I sat here staring at these five or six words, too bad, Joel dies. And I was like, oh, I was just like crippled that this beloved character, my Joel, dies in this game, right? I, I just... Part of me knew going into this experience that that was probably going to happen. We would lead up to that, especially looking at the story uh, to the trailers that we'd seen up to this point where Ellie drops down in this area. At, we now know as Hillcrest in this gameplay demo that we saw um, maybe at, I don't know, state of play or something like that months and months and months ago. And this character grabs her by uh, from behind and, She turns around and says, what the hell are you doing here? And you see Joel and he says, you really think I'd let you do this alone? And that for me was just like this sigh of relief, like, oh, okay. They somehow, they make up. It's all going to be good. Clearly Ellie's going to find out that he lied to her back at the end of the first game. She could have saved humanity. And they, they have this reconciling moment, and they go on this long 20- 20 to 25-hour adventure, and Joel ends up having this sacrificial moment at the end. That would make sense, right? That's yeah. that's the story beats as a game player that we would expect. But what I love about Naughty Dog and Neil Druckmann as director and everyone that had a hand in writing and directing this story is that they subvert your expectations in the best of way. And I think Joel's death was a supreme example of that, where you wake up as this young girl named Abby, who I got the collector's edition of the game. The front of the steel case was Ellie's face. The back of it was Abby's face. I didn't think a thing of it. I was like, oh, okay, this other chick, she kind of looks like Ellie, but I didn't put two and two together. You wake up as this girl, you're in this cabin, you're talking to this guy named Owen, A lot of snowfall. He says, like, hey, I want to show you something. You see this city, and you're talking about this guy and pulling him out of the city and finding him. And I kind of presumed maybe they're talking about Joel. Yeah. And then she's like, oh, he's fucking pregnant, or he he impregnated Mel, whatever. And it's just like, who are these characters? Why do we care about these people? And then this crazy moment happens where she's running. She gets tracked by infected, and then she runs into... Joel and Tommy, and then you have this moment where she's like, "Hey, I have a shelter. Let's go here." And you walk into this building, and I think what's frustrated me most. Obviously, it's no secret that this game was a review bombed to hell. Probably, the Last Jedi I think is the last time the internet was so up in up in arms about uh, a piece of media. I guess maybe the, the, the Game of Thrones series, yeah. uh, the last you know yeah. uh, season, where the internet was just. Losing their minds about petitioning to hit the restart button and redo something. But it's this moment what I think is so beautiful, and why I'd encourage everyone that needs to play this game to understand why this moment is so important. Because they might read Joel died and they're like, no, I'm not going to play that game. But would you really want another 25 hour adventure where they just go on a cross country trip, they run into a couple bad guys, Joel and Ellie, I'm speaking of, and you do the same old song and dance? No, I personally wouldn't want that, but I'm getting back to my point here. So they go into this cabin, and there's this this moment, and this is why I have to just bow down to Troy Baker and his phenomenal motion capture performance, because they walk into this room, you have this group of characters surrounding Tommy and Joel, and Tommy says, hi, I'm Tommy, this is my brother, and Joel gets to the center of the room, and he says, I'm Joel. And then this moment where the entire room's demeanor changes and it's like something's not right here. And you see in Troy Baker's performance, in his face, in Joel, he has this moment where he says, sounds like you guys have heard of us or something. And you see this internal oh shit moment in Troy Baker's face where it's like, I let my guard down. Yeah. I let my Mm -hmm. guard down and I'm about to pay the price for it.
1: Yeah, I think when I saw everyone look up Like at the beginning, I presume that Abby, they were talking about Joel. Um, I figured I'm like, oh shit, someone's pissed because they killed off the flyer. I mean, there has to be repercussions. For his actions. Yeah. And doing it that early, I mean, you mentioned The Last Jedi about being review bombed, but I think a lot of the complaints about that was adverting expectations because it was subverting expectations because it was done so frequently, like to the extent that you're like, oh. What are they going to subvert now? Mm -hmm. Um, And, like, we've talked about that to death, but, like, that was one that I think was done well. Mm -hmm. Whether it was spoiled or not, like, we kind of... I figured he would die in some either heroic way at the end or whatever, but when I saw everyone look up, I was like, oh, shit, like, Ellie's going to be pissed. And then you play as Ellie... And you're like looking for Joel. And I'm like, this is going to be a scene that like either it's either going to split. It's probably going to split the community because the first game was so loved. And it was all of like Joel's story. And to your point, I I wouldn't have liked another game where you do the exact same thing. Let's track, see if there's another community that has a cure or can make a cure. Um, it just, it wouldn't rehashing the same story beats would not be
2: fun. I agree. And I want to turn it back to Josh and his thoughts on that scene. But what I do want to quickly say for me is, you know, I sat down, I worked until like 3.30 that Friday when the game arrived and Lauren went to our favorite local restaurant to pick up some wings and a pizza or something like that. And so she left because I'm thinking like, you know, it's going to be a while until something like Joel dying would happen. And then three hours into the game, I kind of, and don't take this the wrong way, but I kind of had almost this sigh of relief, like, oh, Okay, Joel's dead. Now we can move forward and move beyond this point. Because if I was playing for 20, 25, almost 30 hours, and I'm still waiting for that moment, I would have been on edge the whole game. Like, oh my gosh, when's it going to happen? And how is he going to die? And who's going to kill him? Whereas three hours into the game, it was like, okay, grieve, cry uncontrollably. I'm a puddle and I'm a mess, but let's move beyond this point and see where the story goes.
1: Yeah. Uh, we can turn it over, Josh. but yeah, Josh.
2: I mean, like, what are your thoughts? Uh, Did you anticipate that coming so quick? Like, where were you at with that whole moment? Oh yes, yeah, so I was just kind of. I felt like I was listening to y'all show instead of being part of it
1: for a second there. Like, oh, really I was like, oh shit, are, are we talking too much? And <laughs> I was like, I'm Sh-. sorry,
2: Josh. I just got so into this. No, game. you're good. It's, yeah, no,
0: you guys are gr- great. I loved it. Um, let's see, for Joel, he's how long? You, it's been four years, right? They've been at this. uh this Ye- new uh jackson they've been at jackson for four years yeah something like that yeah, yeah. that was the first so, kind of timeline the thing is is uh joel he's a survivor he knows that once he gets comfortable in an area he, sh- he never wants to get too comfortable so the thing i think when he ends up with this situation he of course he needs to have re- repercussions for the terrible act he committed at the end of the first game Um, he's been living with Ellie and they've been, which is later on explained more often or or more in depth that him and Joel, uh, him and Ellie aren't on the best terms, but he has a nice house. He has hobbies. He's kind of just being a person. He's living his life. He's not really being a survivor. You know, he's not going through killing people, not doing terrible things. So I think he let his guard down too much. And then when he sees Abby, he sees a little bit of Ellie in Abby. He's like, you know what? This is a young girl. She seems good, you know, nice enough. So he kind of lets his guard down and he ends up paying the price for that. Um, when I see seeing this moment, when this moment happened, I wasn't sure if he would die. It, of course, it looked like all the uh, odds were stacked against him. There's a room full of people, but we had seen in the other game when there's a room full of people, they've gotten out of it before, you know? Mm-hmm. So I'm like, yeah. okay, so how's this going to happen? They're going to throw throw a bomb in the room and blow up people, stun them or whatever, and get them out. And then it happens. She hits them in the face with a golf club and kills Joel right at the beginning of the game, which makes sense because we knew this game was most likely going to be a revenge story. And everybody always thought it would be Dina would be the one that got killed. When you watch the trailer, you're like, oh, her girlfriend's going to get killed. But then they kill Joel, which is, of, of course, a character we've all spent so many hours with Thought about his motivations, thought about that brutal act he did out of love at the beginning of the game so much that we love this character so much. And then so when that happens, when I personally did it, I got pissed off at that character. I was like, what the fuck? Why? Why did she kill him? And then, of course, later on, we figure out all the details about it. But at that moment, I was just like. I didn't even cry. I was more just... I was kind of shaking a little bit. I was more shocked than anything. Because mm-hmm. I didn't have... I i, I kind of... A little bit of a bummer that you got it spoiled. That, that's happened to me. That happened with um, Endgame for me. I got a couple mm-hmm. things spoiled from that mm-hmm. game. Um, from that movie. So I understand uh, getting a spoiler on the internet. That sucks. But anyway, I just thought this moment was just masterfully done. And um, I, it, it's going to be one of those moments that... I remember forever because I just think that they just, it was a great bait and switch because every single trailer we've seen from last of us part two had Joel in it and it's always yeah. in Seattle when we see him. So it, it was crazy that they, that the, they made that choice and they did that to the audience. And I know that pisses people off and that's why people are so mad, which I wish people would get over that, but it is what it is.
1: Yeah. I think you had a good point with, he saw a little bit of Ellie in Abby. Yep. And not, we'll eventually get to the end of the story, um, that kind of last scene between Joel and Ellie, where she's kind of like, I'll give you a second chance. And to think that, like, during that sequence, when he's riding out, I, I don't know if it's the night before, I think it's the night before. It's, that's probably all he has on his mind right there is, I'm getting a second chance with this person. I, who sees me as like betrayed her trust. Yeah. And like he I th- I think that's a really good point is he probably sees Abby as not vulnerable but like kind of in that same mindset as Ellie. But then you see her traps and you're like holy shit, she's a like battle-hardened warrior. When she's
2: also she's covered, she's she's wearing, you know, coats because it is the thick of winter, but I think that's a great point is it's almost like this this second chance of humanity. Like we yeah. can move beyond this. We as people can be better. And Abby was dead. I mean, she was going to die. The fence was completely caving in. And even if she wiggled her way out of that, I mean, it was almost like a trailer out of Days Gone, with the number of zombies on screen just flooding, flooding the screen. And you were, you know, frantically running. Not, no pun intended. frantically running around to try and escape and find shelter. And I think that's great that, you know, I guess staying on the track of of Joel letting his guard down, I think why, I think it's so important for people to play this game and and have the controller in their hands and experience it. Like, I don't even think it's enough to just watch all of the cinematics on YouTube or watch a, a Twitch streamer play this game out. Because... It hits you so much differently when you have the controller in your hands, and I was reading on Metacritic today some of the the criticisms of the game, and one person in particular was just going on and on about how Joel shouldn't have died. Joel, and the 13 to 15 hours we spent with him in The Last of Us uh, Part 1, never, ever would have walked into that building, even if he Successfully was able to escort Abby to that lodge. He and Tommy would have booked it out of there even in the midst of the snowstorm. And I think, and largely, I'd agree with this person that wrote that review. But then it's after Joel's death, after Ellie's mourning, he's, she's standing at her grave, and Dina gives her her peace in her space, and they walk back to Joel's place. And this is one of my favorite moments in the game. And Ellie says, I need to go in and get something. And it's this moment in the game where you as the player are given complete freedom and as much time as you want to explore Joel's house. And there's so many Easter eggs in the house that later in the, like you pick up literally the dinosaur guidebook that you get in the flashback later in the game, when you go to the museum, that when you pick that up and Ellie says, gosh, that was such a great day. And me as the player, I'm thinking like, I don't know what that means, but whatever. That's kind of cool. And then you walk upstairs and you see all of these wood carvings of different animals and creatures that Joel has carved himself. And then you see a wall of guitars and you just see this very human character that started settling down. Yeah. He found Jackson. As you were talking about, Josh... He wasn't in survival mode anymore. He found a place where he felt comfortable. He started taking up hobbies. And so it makes sense when he sees this innocent person in need, like Abby, he's going to help her and he's going to walk into a place that seems safe. And it's just frustrating when you have such a, you have the masses just attacking the direction of the story and Neil Druckmann saying that's something Joel wouldn't have done. You didn't write Joel. You don't know what Joe would do in that situation. Yeah. You know?
1: Well, I mean, my yeah, issue I, with... Oh, go ahead.
2: Sorry, I was going to say
0: one thing that I've seen a few different times is basically just because a story doesn't go the place that you want it to go doesn't mean that it's a poorly written story.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And yeah. that's what people lose and forget when they they consume media and they get attached to to uh, characters and stuff because they're like, no, that character wouldn't do that. It's like, yeah, but the creator of this character decided that this was not in- his intention. There's a logical explanation to why he is this way. And you know the creator of this character, loves this character probably, most likely, more than you do. They know this character inside and out. So if you have a good creator, you should trust that they do the right thing.
1: Yeah, no, I completely agree. Um, it, it, the confusing thing was why or how all these reviews were being posted before, like, it's a 30-hour game. Before 30 hours was even passed since it's released. I mean, Rusty binged the game for three days straight, and the reviews came out, I think, that Friday.
2: The review embargo hit a week before the game's release, and that's but when like, the user they're... scores were already lining up this, the, the page, and it's just like... The game is not even in your hands yet. How can you formulate an opinion on this game without even having played it, only knowing the seven words that I knew? That yeah. Joel, too bad, Joel dies. That's not seven, but you know what I mean.
1: Yeah, and I mean, I watched a lot of things after this. Um, I, I, it was an emotional kind of I, like I was bargaining there. I mean, there's stages of denial, and I liked. It. When Joel got his leg shot, I was like, "Oh, he can recover. He's fine. He's fun." Like Ellie's gonna come in with a lightsaber and just fuck up everyone. <laughs> yeah. And I was like, "Oh, like, I mean, you you put a tourniquet on there, wrap it up, he, give him like oh, a couple years, he'll throw him a prosthetic. He's fine. Yeah. Like, we're we're good." Yeah. And then like she's getting there, and like you hear him just getting beat up, and you hear his voice from the basement. And I was like, "Oh, like that probably hurts." And you see his face, and he's just laying there, like. Like, I'm not super attached to Tommy, but, like, I like his character. But Joel is on a, in a different league. And I think the thing that, like, I didn't necessarily cry for Joel's death because it was really sudden. Um, and we didn't see a lot of the torture, I think. I mean, a lot of the terminology they're saying, like, torture porn. And I'm glad they didn't, like, show Joel just being brutalized. But, like, after that quick death, it, the thing that got me emotional was not Joel's death, but it was Ellie's reaction to it. Mm-hmm. Those like, guttural screams, I'm going to kill you. And I was just like, like, imagine that relationship and everything they went through and then to see that yeah. as a character. I, I'm, I cried more for Ellie than I did for Joel. Like, just think about it. Like, Ellie's reaction, <laughs> like, yeah, emotional, no. but, like,
2: yeah, it's, I thought it was really well done. Um, yeah, yeah. And I 100% agree. Um, And I definitely don't want to rush us off the topic, but I also want to be mindful. Uh, There's so much more of this game to unpack, but I think I, I thought, you know, when I was preparing for this episode and thinking, you know, show notes, where do we start? I thought Joel's death is so foundational to the rest of this story. I think that's when this story really begins. Of course, there's a few hours of gameplay prior to, but I think Joel's death kind of cements, this is where we're at. How do we move forward from here?
1: Yeah, and I think before we move on real quick, um, it, you told me to, after I, cause I was trying to figure out where I fell after I completed the game. Um, I, the last day I didn't want anything spoiled. I got off work at one o'clock and I finished it at like three in the morning and I didn't know where I fell. And that next day you came by and you said, watch the kind of funny, um, games podcast with Joel Ellie, voice actors, and then Neil Druckmann. Mm-hmm. And getting there, the characters—I mean, they live those emotions because they live like do those scenes so many times. Like they're essentially those characters, and they like to your point, frantic or mm-hmm. Josh, uh, <laughs> you become frantic. You um, like they love those characters more than we could because they are those characters. Mm-hmm. Um, and to get their perspective on the first game and the second game and. Where they kind of saw like those characters, I think that kind of cemented the direction in my mind that I was okay with those characters dying and how they proceeded. Mm-hmm. Um, that kind of helped yeah. give me more perspective because I, I'm on the outside looking in, but from the inside, like in the production of it, they took so much into consideration because they're killing off Joel, like one yeah. of the yeah. most iconic sony characters um up there with like nathan drake and stuff like if you were to kill off nathan drake we would want to understand your character motivation so yeah. like i i think that's worth review or like watching after completing the game yeah so absolutely yeah, i've I've got off my soapbox
2: sir. no but, no it's all but, good like, man. I, I think it's that's
1: good. it's worth watching to kind of understand
2: yeah no for sure um and so, you know, Josh, you know, you have this character murder our beloved Joel, and you proceed to play several hours, 12, 15, whatever it was, with Abby. Um, I know for me personally, especially when you get the boat and you have uh, the thunderstorm going on, and you're kind of racing your way to the aquarium, and then you make it back to um, make it back to the theater, and you have this climactic moment where. Jesse, out of nowhere, is just taken from us. A a character that I always had sneaking suspicions where it was like, I don't trust this guy fully. Mm -hmm. There's something about him that just rubs me the wrong way. And then, boom, head, headshot, down, gone. And then Tommy, held at gunpoint by Abby. She's livid to no end, which makes sense because you literally just killed her friends. And that's when Ellie's like, listen, I know why you want to kill me. Joel killed your dad like if you want me take me but let tommy go boom screen fades to black and now you're playing as abby what was going through your mind josh well uh, it was crazy um i also recommend
0: listening to that kind of funny podcast by the way but um sorry i was trying to collect my thoughts you're good man um just the entire journey with ellie after this moment as being me very I'm, I'm empathizing with ellie this entire time
1: mm-hmm.
0: and i'm like I'm, I'm pissed off for her i'm sad for her i'm like man I, we gotta we gotta get these these fuckers why do they do this I, we gotta kill them you know yep so yeah. we go and we de the de- de- kill everybody brutally it's it's kind of sad at moments like the part where you kill nora and she's like half Well, she tortures Nora to find out where Abby is. Yeah, but she's like basically turning as you're torturing her, which is really just sad and bleak. But at that moment, I'm like, she she deserves it. She was part of that team that killed Joel. You know, screw her, right? So we we get through all this stuff, go through the hospital. It's a pretty long journey. Um, I enjoy the gameplay. It's really fun. I, I I like the stealth gameplay. It's it's really entertaining. The story is just gripping me every every second. And when we get back with uh, what's what's Jesse and yeah. um, she comes in there, barges in there, kills him instantly. I'm just, I'm shocked. I'm like, Holy shit. He, that's it. He's dead. <laughs> yeah. And then it looks like they're, she's going to kill Tommy. And then she says, you know, I know why you're here. I'm the key here, blah, blah, blah. And then it cuts to black and then it fades back and it's, you're playing as Abby and it says Seattle day one. And I was like, wait, they're not going to do this. They're not gonna wait what you know and then I, i'm playing and i'm playing i'm like they're gonna have a time jump at some point yeah right yep and yeah. then i'm just like playing this game i'm like no we're gonna see the entire her entire side of the story and i hate this character that i'm playing as during this time i'm like why am i playing as this horrible person that killed joel what the hell and I I think it's a really interesting trick. It's kind of a trick. They they trick us a little bit in this game, because they take this character that we should just absolutely loathe. Like this character killed one of our favorite characters from the first game. Like this character that we spent so much time with. He's awesome. We love him, right? She just brutally killed him. And then the thing that kind of I know I'm jumping ahead a little in the story here, but um, uh, when they do the flashback where they actually show a little more backstory for Abby and they save that zebra. And then you kind of figure out who the doctor is, her dad, that it was the doctor that was going to, you know, kill, kill Ellie to try to save the world. I had that. I call these moments when I play games, my yo moments. All right. <laughs> Cause I'll be sitting there. Nobody's in the house or my fiance is in the house, whatever. And just, I'm just sitting here. When I find something, something cool out, I'll be like, yo! <laughs> you know what I mean? Because I just found out some crazy plot point or whatever. Yeah. Um. So I had that moment when I found out she was uh, uh, his daughter. And I was like, holy shit. Okay. So this is interesting. And I just thought that turning point was just such a fascinating way to go about this game. And I did not expect that. Like, honestly, a normal game you'd see Abby come in there and that would probably be the end of the game. You have a boss fight with Abby and then it's over, right? It. Like yep. a 10 yep. to 12 hour experience and that's it. But what they do here is just so fascinating. And I I, I applaud them for taking this crazy plot turn.
2: Yeah, no, I agree. And, and it's funny you say all that because um, I, I was in a very similar, similar place. And it's funny because um, I got to a point where I finished the game and there were certain plot points that I wanted to see in person ryan's reaction and so i remember going over to his place and after that theater scene happens and you go to this this place you're in this forest playing as a young abby you have this shift and i remember ryan said it he's like oh they're actually gonna make me empathize with this girl aren't they yeah and i was just of course radio silent i didn't want to say anything and then like i I I, I saw the
1: dad in person i was like oh he's like the I was debating I'm like, "Oh, what if he's the doctor?" And I I actually went back after I beat the game and double checked. The doctor that you have to shoot is Joel has a mask on. So they really could have done anything with the face. Mm-hmm. So I'm like Yeah. That I'm like that would be so clever. Cuz like through through the be- end kind of portion of Ellie's story, I was always like Jesse like Jesse was talking about we need to bring Dina back. She's pregnant like you get Tommy back here you promised, and I was like, "That would, Ellie would be, it would be a dick move on Ellie's part to be like, okay, we need to go after Abby, but she's like, yeah, we'll agree, and then, like, I, I was afraid that Jesse was going to turn on everyone and just focus on Dina, which is a reasonable character motivation, but, like, they end up, Ellie and Jesse have this really good back and forth, and you're like, okay, we got the same kind of camaraderie that, like, like that sass from the beginning of the game and then he gets shot right away I was like oh shit like I was just starting to warm up to that character again from like questioning who he was and I don't want to say this was spoil at all but like I spend my time on YouTube generally just watching videos and generally it's like gaming stuff and I saw the title of a video and it said like explanation for the end of um, The Last of Us 2. And all I saw was a girl, a guy laying on the ground, and that's it. Like, I, I didn't have any context. So then when I actually got... I'm like, that's probably something... And then I get there, Jesse shot, and then I see Tommy on the ground. And I was like, "Oh, okay." That I mean, that makes sense. Like, I didn't see anyone getting shot or anything, so it was kind of just the midpoint to the game. Mm-hmm. Um, so I, I didn't feel like I got the game spoiled at all. It wasn't like the true end. But yeah, you watched that. My reaction to that scene, and then was it was it the zebra scene where you're like Abby in the forest is the first Abby scene, right? Mm-hmm. Yeah. So first flashback. You go through the hospital. Yeah, you go through the hospital so many times and the second like Yeah, I was questioning like, are they gonna make empathize make me empathize with Abby's story? Mm -hmm. Because like I I figured at that point I was trying to think of like how many things from the other side Ellie had done that would like I'm like I would feel like an asshole and the Nora one is definitely a good one to, that you pointed out and like even in on the way to get to Nora just entering the camp through the water you kill the asian girl with the PSP i forget her name first of all playstation vita correction vita going. yeah and <laughs> like even ellie's just like oh shit like i shouldn't have done that kind of thing mm-hmm. and then you meet her as in like abby's story and she's just this likable character like they're just trying to survive um and i'm like oh no like it makes me que- it made me question everything and like my favorite stories are where you can empathize with the supposed villain um and black panther i think is probably my favorite instance of that and even mm-hmm. like end game and just like Thanos' story you're like i mean he kind of got screwed like you when you can empathize with the villain it It makes you quite not quote right and wrong because like killing off a shit ton of people is always bad, but like if they have their justifications and you can kind of feel for them, like it makes the story so much better. So when I I guessed that and I was like, if I'm gonna, I didn't get to the Seattle one day one thing, but I'm like, if they do that, that's gonna be amazing. I'm gonna love this game. I didn't expect to play another like 15 hours as Abby, but like. I was excited to feel empathy for her.
2: Yeah, and I think going back to your point about like Thanos and even Black Panther, when you can humanize a villain, I think it's, it's credit to the storyteller. Because anyone can tell a tale of some big baddie, and then you have a superhero that comes in, or just some main protagonist that comes in and saves the day and kills the villain, and that's the end of the story. But when you can walk in the shoes of the villain and understand where they're coming from, That's the challenging part to storytelling, in my opinion. I'm not a storyteller. I don't know what it's like to write, pen a script for a film or a video game, but I think the folks at Naughty Dog did a brilliant job because when that turn of events happened, the screen went black. This was when I was playing Saturday. This was my binge. The the day after, I had, of course, binged for 10 to 12 hours and gotten through quite a bit of Ellie's part of the story. Um, But when this turn of events happened and I'm walking through the forest as Abby is this young girl and I meet her father and then Owen comes towards me wearing this Firefly logo on his vest, that's when I was like questioning like, oh my gosh, they're part of the Fireflies and then when you get the revelation that he's the doctor and he has the potential to save humanity and Joel's the reason that he prevented him from doing that. And then it says day one Seattle, I was with you Josh, where I was like, okay, so maybe I'll play a day of Seattle just to see some of the events from Abby's perspective but then I'm walking through some of these buildings and I'm looting it and getting the ammo and then I start finding supplements and I'm like holy shit <laughs> I'm leveling her up going through all of the upgrades and song and dance that I went through with Ellie and that's when I got through like all of day one with Abby and I kind of was like fa- not fatigued but it was like at this point one o'clock in the morning Saturday and I'm like I... I don't know if I'm as excited to to play this game anymore. And so then Sunday rolls around and I start that binge again. And for me personally, it's when I came into contact with Lev and Yara. Mm-hmm. Lev is, in my personal opinion, one of the best characters, not only in this game, but potentially in all of video games for me. That might sound kind of hyperbolic, but as you're going through this journey, when they initially come into contact with... The scars. Of course, Abby's captured. She's hung. Yara's also captured. And that's when Love comes in the picture and just Legolas shoots all of the scars, comes in, saves the day. And that's when Yara's like, hey, she helped me. We got to save this person. For me personally, it kind of mirrored the first Last of Us when Joel is tasked with Tess to escort Ellie out of the city. And then they come through the sewers or wherever they were and they get stopped by a guard. And that's when Ellie shows how tough she is, stabs this guy. And then Joel's like, who the heck is this kid? She actually can pull her own weight. It kind of mirrored that relationship for me with Abby and Lev to Ellie and Joel. And so as you progress this story with those two characters, I fell so in love with their dynamic. At the same time I'm still questioning, I don't know if I'm fully on board with this Ronda Rousey wannabe bitch who whacked <laughs> my Joel with a golf club and killed him. I'm still I still have serious reservations about how I feel about her. But the moment I was a freaking mess crying is when Yara gets killed and I'm seriously I'm getting really shaky and nervous right now. When Yara gets killed, Abby and Lev make it to a building. And Lev is just grieving. And she's like, she's gone. She's gone. My sister's gone. She's like, your fucking people killed her. And then Abby says, hey, you are my people. And she grabs Lev. And then they just do the preceding events of the game. They go through that city that's in flames. That's the moment. And I was like, Naughty dog, you sons of bitches. You made me empathize. Not only empathize, but completely fall in love with Abby's story more so than Ellie's journey in this particular game. As a character, I probably like Ellie more just because I have two games with that character and I know Ellie's history more than I do Abby's. But if we're talking specifically about this game, I I, I adore Abby's arc and especially her dynamic with Lev. I think it's, it's just phenomenal.
1: Yeah, no, I would I would definitely agree that I loved Abby's story more than I did Ellie's um playing through it. And I think it was just it was made that much better having played Ellie's side to know what was happening that like the stuff that Abby couldn't see with her friends that you meet along the way mm-hmm. as as Ellie slowly like making her way through her friends list, but like It made it that much better and i loved like seeing the mirror between joel and ellie and abby and her dad so like basically abby is ellie if ellie would have joel robbed from her or killed off Mm -hmm. so like i mean you basically
2: it's a um, parallel story yeah it's very
1: parallel um I'm trying to. Yeah, how did I say this to you before? What we were talking about originally. Um, it's all good. Ellie goes. Ellie goes through the same track Abby did when Abby was hunting for Joel.
3: Mm-hmm.
1: Um. And I, I think it, it's just really well done that they mirror these characters, and w- you can make us empathize with Abby so much. And I do love that scene that you're talking about. And at that point. Abby has moved on. I I feel as a character, she was probably empty after killing Joel. Like, you you don't really come back from that amount of revenge. Mm -hmm. But like, that that conversation with Lev, like, you're my people, she's progressed and she's kind of moved on with her life and found her new kind of family. Yeah, I think
2: she's found peace and she's matured beyond the horrific act she committed. I mean, she literally became a machine you yeah. know. she trained her that's why yeah. she had the physique that she did is because her life's purpose and and i'll, I'll get to this later because i want to get back to josh but her life's purpose was to kill that's joel it. you know that's yeah. what she wanted to do but I, I have to ask you josh like having played this parallel story of ellie's and, and abby's at the end of the game where were you at with the characters did you did you have more empathy for abby or you know like which characters arc did you kind of like more i guess uh, I just gotta say one thing: those guns, bro. Mm. <laughs> anyway,
0: um, <laughs> no, uh, Abby. Abby is. I loved her a little bit more. All in all, when it comes down to it, in this storyline, um, the the thing I I was thinking about uh, trying to like process this game and the story is basically the thing that we see here is Abby is on the aftermath of what ellie is trying to accomplish yeah so ellie's trying to kill you get her revenge for a loss of a loved one and then the beginning of the story we start the story on abby getting the revenge fulfilling so that. we kind of get yep. the, yeah for um jo- um her dad getting killed by joel and so pretty much we get to see abby kind of trying to come to terms and try to figure out who she is after this because they do do a lot of flashbacks with her, with Owen, and how they have this really intimate relationship. They have this really deep connection. They they absolutely love each other. They're probably meant to be together. Yeah, but she yep. is so obsessed with training, trying to get more muscular, trying to be a killing machine that she basically misses that boat, misses that opportunity to be with her, you know, true love, pretty much because you know she was more focused on getting back at the guy who killed her dad. Um, and when we see Ellie's trying to struggle with the same thing pretty much with Dina because um, in the farm scene where she decides to go back because, you know, uh, Tommy comes back and tells her, hey, you know, we found Abby. I know where she is. And she's like, okay, you know, I'm not going to go. And then she decides to go because she's having PTSD and all that. We kind of... D- I just think that it's really cool that we got to see both of these characters. They, they, they literally are mirrors of each other. They, they really are very similar and similar, but different, of course. But I was so surprised that, and Rusty, that moment when she says you are a people, it's just, I was just like smiling. I was like, man, this is great. She's, she's awesome. You know, I, I, I got to the point where I just really loved playing that character. I actually liked her, her like abilities a little bit more too, like the pipe bomb and like all yeah. the different crazy weapons she got. She she got a better um, weapon arsenal in my opinion. I know that's more of a technical gameplay thing, but for the stealth the stealth section, I thought she had a really fun arsenal to work with too, and a really interesting skill tree. Um, besides that, she's a great character. Um, Lev is a very nuanced character. I mean, Lev's a A trans character which is really hard to pull off and um listening to that kind of funny podcast where they talk to neil Druckmann, yeah and like they they consulted people to make sure you know they did it properly and i I thought they did it really beautifully and i I, I gotta give a shout out to like the, the just the general diversity in this game it's just effortless effortless you know like you see all walks of life um Everybody here, every character is just, uh, you know, the last of us.
2: Yeah, I was very human, and I, you know, a lot of the review bombing too was just. Uh, and this is; these are not my words, but the, you know, as I was reviewing that or reading them today, they were saying it's pandering, it's a political statement, it's um, an SJW catering, and, and a whole assortment of things of that nature. Um, I guess what I'll speak to specifically about Ellie's character. And her relationship with Dina, uh, I love Dina, by the way. I think she's amazing. I know she's a very love or hate character from the podcast that I've listened to, to this point. I think she's great. She really brings Abby, she really brings Ellie back to Earth when she goes off the deep end, um, even when she's not successful in doing so, of course, if we're talking about the farm scene. Uh, But I think their relationship is so human and so beautiful because you look at these characters and it's not just like this super lovey-dovey thing. They get frustrated with one another. They call each other out. They argue. They disagree with things. And I think how they were able to make their relationship so beautiful, um, and I guess the point I'm trying to make is getting back to the left-behind DLC, that I don't think you're alone, Josh. I don't think a lot of people played that game and played that DLC. That character arc in terms of Ellie um, being gay was established in that DLC. There was no pandering or catering or shoehorning anything in there. It was a part of her character when she was a young girl in the beginning of The Last of Us. And if you saw that, to see how she was able to find a companion, a partner in Dina, and that it was done so well, in my opinion, I think is something incredibly beautiful. And my hat goes off to the team at Naughty Dog to have so brilliantly written that relationship and those characters. I, I think it's just it's it's just amazing. Yeah, I, th- I think yeah, the,
1: the, uh,
2: you can the, go ahead. I was going to
0: say they nailed it. Uh, of course, we know Dina is bisexual as well cuz she had a relationship with Jesse. So it, it's it's interesting that that they I feel like they really took the time to do it right cuz you could really do the thing that people are con- accusing the game of doing, which it's not, you know, being pandery, being cheesy, being one note, this game is anything but one note. That's all mm-hmm. I was going to
1: say. Yeah, I, I mean, I think the backlash, if there's any, would have come on the DLC. And I just thinking about, I mean, I didn't check this because I don't know if I'm not prepared. But like, I would be, be curious to see what the Medicare, like Metacritic score for the DLC and what those reviews from seven years ago are on the user side because I doubt there was a backlash then. I just think it's more of a product of the time. 100%.
2: Um,
1: going back to Lev, I didn't realize he was a trans character. I just love the shit out of his character to begin with. Um, it, so yeah. like we were going, we were climbing up to get to that sky bridge. Um, and they like, they mentioned Lily in there. And I was like, oh, okay, like maybe that, because it's like a colloquialism for their tribes. Like that's what they call, people who are deserting like i didn't put two and two in together and then when she said like she wanted to be a warrior but she was chosen to be a um what was it a bride to one of the elders i was like oh that's progressive like the elders are um like female and like i i just i i was i was reading it a different way so like when i found out i'm like I, I just love the character. I Like, I don't really care how they presented it. She was just a well-written... Or he, or whatever, was a well-written character. And I I, I think the Abby scene during that whole, um, like, trying to rescue um, Lev, I guess, was... It cemented that. Mm-hmm. Um, I, I'm, I was surprised that it took us that long, or this long, to talk about Dina and Ellie's relationship. She yeah. started with Joel, but, like... I don't know if I would have enjoyed going through another Joel, like we talked about, another Joel Ellie kind of experience. Um, I know it it was established that Ellie um, is gay in the DLC a long time ago, but like her even having a boyfriend say in this game, like that dynamic would be so similar to a Joel and like Ellie, excuse me, relationship that I think you would still lose. The significance of it, and I really love Dina and Ellie's, um, their pan or not pandering, their um, like dynamic and camaraderie with one another. Well, they just
2: kind of had a quirkiness and an uh, an awkwardness to them that was just so beautiful. Like I, one of my favorite moments is just it, it happened a number of times as there you were introduced to this huge Seattle area that you were left and free to explore. And they were on the horse together, kind of exploring the area. And Dina would always be popping these random jokes. And there was just one moment where she's like, "I got another one for you," and Ellie's just like, "Oh my gosh, what is it this time?" And you know, Dina just says like, um, "What did the horse order at the bakery?" or something stupid like that. And then Ellie's like, "I can only imagine." And Dina says like, "Thoroughbred." and Ellie's just yeah. like fuck me like this is you know it's, it's <laughs> those subtle little moments that i think it's just again it's it's just so
1: brilliantly written yeah there was another one it was i think the horse's name was shimmer she's like oh no i think shimmer's sick and ellie's like wait what and he's like yeah she's sounding a little hoarse. yeah <laughs> and i was just like dude i loved it cuz that was seattle day 1 where it was super open so like the that entire day before dina gets sick it's just them going back and forth and then like fighting together and, yeah, and the- yeah it, it was just a great establishment of kind of Ellie in the post-Joel era and Dina mm-hmm. kind of trying to bring her back to Earth. Mm-hmm. It was really well done.
2: Yeah. What were you going to say, uh, uh, Josh?
0: Yeah, I was going to say the thing that really, like, cemented and sold me the most on the relationship is during that Seattle Day 1 open world where i had to do everything in that open world by the way and yeah. find every little nook and cranny yeah, but yeah. um the music shop when oh, yes. you go and you get that first guitar mini game yep and um yeah i'm like oh this is pretty interesting and then she starts playing aha's uh, take on me and just the beautiful it's just like one of the best moments in the game for me i've watched it like I don't even know how many times there's actually a YouTube video of like a rehearsal version of it with Ashley Johnson. And uh, I can't think of the actor who plays Dina, but yeah, it's just a beautiful scene and the way they motion captured the face and faces on both characters. um, Mm -hmm. If you watch Ellie's face, especially in this, you can see her go through a bunch of emotions and then you see just uh, Dina, just super happy, just in the moment. And it's just, A really nice and touching scene i was just like man they they really nailed it with this
2: one of my favorite parts about that is that that moment is completely missable yeah you can go through the entire game and that never happens it's not there it's not a story beat that you requires you to go through to progress the game and i think that's why talk about rewarding exploration like screw trophies screw collectibles This moment right here where you take one of my most disliked 80s songs of all time by AHA, Take On Me, one of the most beautiful renditions of a song that the music video is some psychedelic acid trip going into Nickelodeon's Chalk Zone. It's just such a weirdo song about some guy who could have had a girl but didn't or what, what have you. And then you have Ellie just this beautiful rendition of it and you see Dina on the floor listening and looking longingly into Ellie's eyes, literally just melting before Ellie as she hears her, her sing this song. It's just, oh my gosh, it's such a cool moment. And I think everything about the guitar is so brilliant because so many artists and musicians have written to Neil and the team saying like, you guys really nailed this because literally the guitar chords that you kind of strum the center of the PlayStation 4 controller are the actual chords that you would hold your fingers on the uh, the neck of the guitar to play those. And I loved how they allowed you to just strum the guitar, you know, five or six times, and then it would kickstart the cut scene. It's, yeah. oh my goodness.
1: And the detail, even like, once you're in the theater and you can pick up the guitar and practice it, it goes through like five different, I mean, I don't know the musical terms, but like you can go through the sharps and like there's five different menus of just all chords. of the chords. I was like that's a shit ton of detail for like something that like ultimately is just you strumming. Like mm-hmm. it doesn't need to be in there, but like to have that all in there. I I mean we can transition after we get Josh's take on it, but we we should just talk about the, all the guitar scenes and how they are used and that the songs associated with that to progress the story as a whole
2: yeah no i I think for sure um i mean this kind of gets into my underlying themes of the game um you know if you look at the beginning of the game with with joel giving a young ellie gifting her that guitar and playing pearl jam's future days uh I, i think the lyrics to that song so beautifully resonate through the rest of the game and through this parallel arc of both abby and Ellie. I don't know if we want to jump right into that now or not. I guess now that we're on the topic, we can circle back to talk about the theater guitar scene and the museum uh, flashback that follows. Uh, But what I want to do quickly is just literally play that scene. I have it queued up here where Joel gifts the guitar to Ellie in Jackson, and he plays Future Days by Pearl Jam. So I'm going to go ahead and roll that right now quickly.
3: If I ever were to lose you I'd surely lose myself Everything I have found here I'm not found by myself Try and sometimes you'll succeed To make this man of me All my stolen missing parts I've no need for any more I believe And I believe I can see Our future days, days of you
2: I think that's such a special moment that at the time, because it's in the very beginning of the game as the player, you don't really understand the importance of those words, especially if you don't know what happens in the later portions of the game. But what I think is so beautiful about those lyrics, just going back and reading them, if I ever were to lose you, I'd surely lose myself. All my stolen missing parts, I have no need for anymore because I believe, and I believe because I can see our future days, days of you and me, this message of like, I don't really need anything else because I have you, like all my stolen missing parts, they're gone. It doesn't matter because I have you. But if I ever were to lose you, I would surely lose myself. And I think that story, those words resonate with both Ellie and Abby, because the moment Ellie watches Joel die, she becomes a shell of her former self. So much so, Troy Baker, in the Kind of Funny Games cast, he says, one of the underlying themes of this game is obsession will cost you everything. And it does. At the very end of the game, when they're on a farm, Ellie literally has everything. She has Dina, she has little baby JJ, a beautiful farm, tons of land, and safety. Normalcy. But she has to give that up because she's so hell-bent on killing Abby, and then in parallel, likewise, with Abby as a young girl, when she has her father taken from her wrongfully, so she becomes hell on exacting revenge on Joel, literally becoming a machine. In the beautiful moment that Josh, you talked about earlier, and, and you hit on all these points when they're in the aquarium, and he and Owen walks Abby through, he finds or he takes her to the back of the aquarium and he gives her a drink, and she says, just you know, he tells her hey, just skip training tomorrow. Let's just share this moment together. And it's almost as if it's in one year, out the other, and she's just like, no, 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 no. I have a lead, and I have to follow it through. And she loses a life with Owen that she could have had. Josh, you said it earlier, she was probably meant to be with him. But the yep. obsession of killing Joel ruins her. And it's just, again, coming back to how they humanize these people, it's... it's. um. It's unprecedented. It's unrivaled in video game storytelling for me. I, I don't even know what to say. I, I'm at a loss for words. So I'll turn it back to, to either of you guys that want to speak to that.
1: Yeah, Josh, do you want to jump in? or I, I mean, I can continue
2: talking, so I want to give you a chance. <laughs> no, you're good. Uh,
0: it's hard to follow that because uh, Rusty put it so well. Yeah. But I 100% agree. Um, just... The more I... The more I think about this game, because I sat after I finished the game, I was like, hell yeah, that was awesome. You know, surface level, fantastic story. But there are so many layers to it. Mm -hmm. Um, And there's so much, so much characterization to it. And the thing that kind of stuck with me a lot, um, there was an early quote from Neil Druckmann, the writer of the game. He would say, The Last of Us 2 was about love. And that The Last of Us, I mean, The Last of Us 1 was about love. Last of Us 2 is about hate. And the more I thought about it, this game is about love as well. Mm-hmm. It's about love and hate. It's about it's more about experiencing loss of love that turns into hate, you know, and sometimes uh turn <laughs> turns people into monsters, you know. And from every point in this game, it is more about love than hate in my opinion because just that absolute, um, just like the lyrics from the song, having somebody that you care about. And, you know, for all intents and purposes, like Joel is Ellie's father. You mm-hmm. know, she never really had, you know, a, parent- a parental figure. figures, as far as we know. You know, we don't really know too much about her early life. Mm-hmm. But Joel is pretty much her dad. And she loses him and... L- I haven't lost a parent yet, thank God, you know. I don't, I don't know how it feels personally. But I can imagine how hard that would be, especially going through these horrible trials and tribulations they went through. You know, this world is so terrible. And then they have this one person that can lift them up no matter what. And then they're definitely going to feel like they just lost a part of themselves. And then they end up losing all of themselves trying to you know exact revenge on the person that took that away from them. And I think that ultimately near in the end of the game, I think Abby ends up accepting the fact that, hey, I did this thing and nothing happened. You know, I don't really feel much different. Yep. Mm-hmm. But I found this other person I can, you know, confide in and you know, be be a part of their lives with Lev. And Ellie ends up thinking back to Joel in the moment which is the final cut scene of the game, which we find out a little bit after the scene, you know, the big fight scene at the end, she has that moment when she's about to kill Abby and she sees a flash of Joel just on the porch playing guitar. And the whole point of that scene is she is talking to him and, you know, saying, I'm going to give you a chance and I don't know if I can forgive you, but maybe I can. And then Abby took that away from her. She get she took that moment, that healing time that she could have had with Joel away from her, and that's what you find out is why she is so blind in her uh, revenge story. Like she is so she wants to kill Abby so much because she never had that opportunity to have that beautiful adult. I mean, not adult, a human life together with Joel without the crazy zombie killing human killing uh adventure you know they just they just never really got to be a family and that's what she feels like abby took away from her
2: yeah and i think i think we kind of hinted at there too josh is you know when and we'll talk about this scene here um we uh wrap up eventually i promise but when ellie and abby are fighting and abby or Ellie finds Abby in Santa Barbara on this almost crucifix-like pole, emaciated, super thin, hairs cut, beat to hell. And after Ellie cuts her down, she's like, hey, the boats are this way after they cut Lev down. And then this fight scene ensues. And, you know, Ellie at this point has won the fight. And she has that flashback moment where she... She sees Joel on the porch playing this guitar and they have that reconciling moment. She says, I don't know if I can forgive you, but I'd like to try. And I think because of that, she's at that point finally able to almost have a similar, even though she never says it to Abby and has that conversation, I don't know if I could ever forgive you for taking Joel away from me, but I think similarly, Ellie would like to try, even if she never sees Abby ever again, you know? Yeah. And, and that's why I think this game is just so masterfully, masterfully paced because, y- yeah, in Ryan and I, we've talked about this. Could they have lopped a couple hours off of this game? Yeah, probably could have. I don't think it needed to be uh, just shy of 30 hours. But the final few moments when in the trailers, you know, there was some kind of bait and switching, but... I got to the end of the game and I'm thinking, when is the barn scene going to happen? When are they going to share that kiss that they talked about earlier in the game when they were in Eugene's place smoking up some doobies? I'm like, they have to show that scene, right? And then finally they do. And of course, at this point we already know because we saw the flashback of them having that moment where Ellie said, Hey, I'll go back to John uh, Jackson, but we're through. And then she has this kiss with, with Dina. And then, this this the bartender guy comes out and says, "Hey, this is a family-friendly place. None of that should be going on." And that's when Joel comes out and says, "Hey, back the f off!" Like, you know, I'm uh, she. He kind of has this father figure. I'm protecting her moment. And that's when Ellie quickly lashes back at him, like, "I don't fucking need you. Like, get out of my life," kind of thing. And I'm thinking, mm-hmm. like, oh my gosh, that's the last moment they shared with one another like yeah i I thought
0: the exact same thing and i started bawling my eyes out thinking about it how could you
2: not you're like freaking out as the player like oh my gosh like this game is going to end where they never reconciled ellie's alone and that's going to be the end of it and this is going to be the saddest most depressing end to a game i've ever seen and just as abby or just as ellie walks back up to the farm she sees that dina's gone she walks up grabs the guitar two of her fingers are gone. She can't even play the guitar. And she's trying to play Future Days because that's what Joel taught her. And she kind of has this moment with these sad puppy dog eyes and just rests on the guitar. And then the screen fades to black. And I'm like, oh my gosh, I'm about to see directed by Neil Druckmann. And then no, you have that reconciling moment where they have that conversation on the deck and they're able to reconcile. It was just Oh, my gosh. I, I, again, just talking about masterfully paced. I, because, right, you're sitting on the edge of your seat. Like, no, there has to be one last final beat, right? They have to have that moment. They have to share that moment. And then they do. And it's just, oh, my gosh. I'm rambling here. I'm sorry. But I'm just, oh, it was just so good for me, you know? And that's when I was waterworks for days.
1: Yeah. No, there, there was a few scenes that I, I cried at. And I think that last scene was definitely one of the like hardest like holy shit like i'm so glad they ended with that not like this depressing story because the there's the last two hours when you're hunting for that ultimate revenge of going to find like you gave up everything and you need to go kill abby i had a hard time playing that i i wanted it to be over on the farm i mean it would have been still bittersweet you didn't get your revenge but And you're stricken with PTSD in this new life that you've created with your wife at this point. But when she gives it all up, and you're like, I mean that that fight with Abby was not fun. Like I'm like I don't want to slice Abby. Like I like Abby's character at this point. Like I just played with her for like 15 hours, and I'm like I liked her story so like better than Ellie's at this point. Mm -hmm. And I'm like. I'm like, I'm, like, clicking through this button, like, getting angry. I'm, like, I don't want to do this. Like, just let him fucking leave. And then we end up, like, at, she just sits down and is, like, just, just go. Just get out of here. And she goes back, and it's still, like, you are strum the g- guitar. And I didn't realize at the time, because it was 3 in the morning, and it's way past my bedtime. But, like, I didn't realize that you couldn't play the song because of your missing fingers, and she was trying hard. I was just, like... Maybe it's out of tune. Like I I didn't get it until we talked that next morning. I'm like, that makes so much more sense and makes it so much more impactful. Mm-hmm. And then I'm just I'm so glad that they ended with that like it, it wasn't fully like, yeah, hey, Joel, like we we can be best pals. It was more of like a that like olive branch. Like I'm willing to try if you are. Yep. And you like And, like, the breakiness of Joel's voice after that. Because you could see him, like, welling up. And, like, I think he only says, like, one word, like, yep or something like this. Like, Ellie says, I have to go. And then he says, like, yep. But, like, you can hear the shakiness in his voice. And you're like, that's a solid end. Because after
2: she says, you know, my my life could have fucking mattered and you took that from me. And then you see Joel, like, if God gave me another chance, I would do it all over again.
1: Yeah, I, I lost it when, like, Ellie's inflection and, like, the amount of emotion that... Whatever... What's her voice, actress? actress Ashley, Ashley Johnson. Johnson. Yeah. 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 The amount of, like, emotion she puts in it, like, oh my gosh.
2: It really sells it. And then, you know, she says, I don't know if I could ever forgive you for that. And then she says, but I'd like to try. And that's when Joel starts tearing up and he says, I'd like that. Yeah. And then she says, okay, well, I'll see you around because they both need to get the hell out of there before they lose their shit. Yeah,
1: like, how do you end that scene? (laughs) Like, gotta go. And then he's just like,
2: yep. You know, (laughs) and then it's just like waterworks for days. But Josh, I have to ask, like, what are your thoughts about the whole Santa Barbara sequence and obviously the fight that ensued on the beach?
0: Whew. (laughs) It is tough to go through. Um, One thing, we get Tommy coming back saying, Tommy is... I don't know. Is he Iron Man? Like he <laughs> yeah. survived everything in this game. Talk about plot shot to the face. Talk about plot armor. Yeah. He has the ultimate plot armor. He basically exists for the scene and he survives for the scene in the, the farmhouse. Right. You got to do it sometimes when you write stories, I guess. To push her, give her that final push. Say, you got to do this. And of course she doesn't want to do it. And she leaves. And then just seeing the look on Dina's face as she walks away. Just. Man, you, you can't say enough about how incredible the the facial capture is in this game. It just conveys so much emotion. Yep. and just uh, seeing uh, it's, it it breaks my heart just thinking about it. Like just Ellie walking away from the farmhouse, and then of course it cuts to the Santa Barbara. We have the scene with the Rattlers, which. I wish they would kind of I mean the game was already long at this point but I'm kind of interested to see more backstory for the Rattlers cuz it kind of just felt like cannon fodder at the end there like ah yeah. we just got yeah. having a, a new faction. Um it was kind of cool that they kind of weird and kind of creepy that they kept the like different infected as pets basically which was interesting. That was um, weird. but yeah.
2: What's up? Oh no yeah I was just saying that that was very strange. They just had them chained up and everything.
0: I, I kind of assumed they were prisoners that tried to escape and then they would just like let them get bit and then they would keep them there. Yeah. You know what I mean? To suffer or whatever. But yeah. Um, going through that, I was just like, all right, I'm kind of going through the motions. I got this cool ass submachine gun. Which Hell yeah. Was probably the best, best weapon in the game. And uh, made it really easy to just kind of peel my way to the end there. And then you get to the moment where you see Abby. And you cut her down. Her arms aren't big anymore. She's kind of scrawny. And I'm like, man, this this is interesting because they I don't know how long it's been. They didn't really say how long it's been since she's been in this camp. So who knows how long she's been in there. And um, then uh, the thing that kind of shocked me a little bit, and I didn't really see it coming too much because I figured, you know, Abby's probably just going to kill Abby. I mean, Ellie's probably going to kill Abby at the very end. And that's going to be the end of the story. So we get to the boats and there's two separate boats and then uh, Ellie puts her backpack down and it looks like she's thinking about, okay, I'm just going to let him go. And then she gets that flash of Joel's face caved in by the golf club. And then that's what sets her off again. And she goes and she becomes the villain of the story at this point because she goes over to Lev, puts her switchblade against Lev's throat and threatens to kill him right there. Basically threatening to kill uh, Abby's Joel. Yep. You know, the same type of relationship. So she turns into the villain and Abby's like, well, I got to defend this person that I love. So she fights her. And then of course, Abby ends up forgiving her or to the best of her ability. She ends up forgiving her. But this whole entire sequence was just gut wrenching. And this is the only thing you can do in a video game. You couldn't do this in a movie. If you watch the movie, you're like, okay, what's going to happen? You're just, you're passively watching it here you're hit you're tapping that square button you're dodging with that Mm -hmm. l1 button you're stabbing the hell out of this chick that you spent 12 hours with or whatever learning to her entire backstory learning her seeing how her revenge story played out and how she fell out of love and found new love and found new people to call her family or a new person in love in yara but she's dead of course and you've spent so much time with this character you empathize with her just as much as you do ellie so when you're when i'm sitting here stabbing and slicing her face and her arm or whatever i'm just like this is terrible i do not even want to look at the screen anymore while i'm playing which i like when she's drowning her i was like man she's just gonna kill her i don't i don't even want to look at this and then of course she doesn't but it, it was just so harrowing you know like experiencing that. And I haven't had that ever in a video game because usually you're the good guy. You're just, you're just, you're a superhero. You're going to go through and you're going to kill this bad guy. And you're awesome because you had this power fantasy playing this video game in this game. It's not about a power fantasy. It's about walking a mile in very flawed and realistic characters. And I think that it's really hard to, to have a story that does that because it's very complicated and i think they just pulled it off so well and um that's why this game is going to be just just it's it's going to be unforgettable and it's going to be one i revisit probably multiple times just because of how they pulled all this off and it's just it's just flawless in my opinion
2: yeah no i agree completely um <laughs> we're we're getting close to the three hour mark, so I want to be mindful of time, Ryan. You got to get back to your dog and everything like that. Yeah. Um, so let, maybe maybe let's kind of just wrap it up here. You know, um, I think we've all been pretty overwhelmingly positive with the game. For me, I think it's an absolute masterpiece. I think it's the crowning achievement to cap off this console generation, very much like The Last of Us Part One was for the PS3 console generation. Of course, we still have Ghost of Tsushima next month. But I mean, this for me is just a 10 out of 10, you know? I mean, if we talk about some of the greatest video games I've ever played, this is high on the list for so many reasons, you know? And it's going to be talked about, debated, and argued for years and years to come. And I think that's kind of telling for something that's just so brilliantly done because not everyone agrees with it right yeah they took risks with this Mm. game in the story direction and i applaud neil druckman for having a vision for the story and capitalizing on it and, and 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 just telling the story that he wanted to tell not the story that all the fans wanted and and i'm perfectly okay with satisfied crying and at times you know clawing at the screen for not wanting certain things to happen but at the end of it all I was supremely satisfied with the experience we were given
1: yeah, I don't know just do you want to go next then go ahead okay yeah i I would definitely say it's a masterpiece um, the story it was beautifully played out um, bet- really between all the characters um, but especially Abby and Ellie. Um, I'd probably give it a nine five. My critiques are not so much. I mean, there's some pacing where st- some areas seemed a little longer than they should have, and it's a long game. Like I was not mentally prepared for the like how long it was going to be, um, and that might be on me. But um, my biggest frustration was more so in the combat. Yep. And I, Rusty and I have talked about this offline but it's it's more of the genre itself the inability for like me to lock on made the the melee combat which was a lot of kind of the quick like there's a ton of zombies around you was very frustrating for me um i think i raged more so like when you were there (laughs) um there was one where yara and lev were like behind the door and you think they left Mm Mm-hmm. And I think I died like three or four times and I was raging more so than any Dark Souls boss I've ever played. But like, that's like a small criticism on someone who doesn't play the genre to an overall beautiful story that was extremely well executed. And definitely, I think, is a contender for game of the year, despite Mm -hmm. all of the backlash and just all of the Internet being the Internet.
2: Yep. Yeah, I agree completely.
1: it's definitely worth playing. Uh,
0: Go ahead, Josh. Oh, sorry. You cut out. I thought you were done talking. Oh, you're good.
1: Yeah, go ahead. (laughs) Oh, okay. Um,
0: So this game is a 10 out of 10 masterpiece. Uh, I'm not going to say it's perfect and nothing's ever perfect. Yeah. There are moments where um, I did feel that they added a couple – of combat encounters that didn't really need to be there. We could have probably uh, hurried it along a little bit. But the thing is is I enjoyed being in that world and I I actually, I love scavenging in that game. I don't know what (laughs) it is. It's kind of fun for me just to kind of look at every little corner and try to find every little note that somebody left Uh, go on top of a watchtower and see somebody who's bored at work that draw dicks on a notepad or whatever, you know, I I random shit like
2: Yep, yep (laughs) I, did you find that? Or
0: that I one? missed that.
2: <laughs> yeah, there was like a whole bunch of boobs and dick pic like uh like just drawings. Like if you ever saw Super Bad and he was just drawing a bunch of dicks on paper when he was a kid, it was kind of like that. Yeah. Just some guy. Yeah, it was yeah. hilarious. I'm I'm sad I missed that because I went through like all the logs and things. You literally so had to climb like as Josh was saying, it was like a little watchtower. You had to climb up. It was it was kind of out of the way a little bit. Oh, so yeah. again. It was yeah. uh near
0: that first before you get to the open world part in Seattle where you're mm-hmm. doing the uh, really awesome rope mechanic stuff with the underused uh, plugging plug in the gates and stuff. Yeah. So good. But yeah. I've, um, what was I saying? Uh, you're talking about dicks and boobs. <laughs> <laughs> I mean, my favorite topics right there. Um, anyway, <laughs> video this, this is going to probably be hard to top for game of the year for sure. Um, I, I don't see anything else topping it right now, but you never know goes to Tsushima looks amazing. Yeah. So, um, just every. At first, when I finished the game, I was still trying to digest. I wasn't 100% sure if it was exactly what I wanted from a sequel, but I'm glad I got what I got because I think they just did something so different and unique that nobody really expected and uh, subverted our expectations in a really good way. And I did not meet, uh, think that I would get to the point where I would just love abby more than ellie because i ellie is one of my favorite video game characters ellie and joel relationships one of my favorite relationships in video games and i didn't really think that i would have another character in this game that i would appreciate and like more than i i liked ellie which is crazy to say but all in all obviously we've been gushing about this thing for hours now um yeah It's a masterpiece. Must play. If you listen this far and here and didn't play the game, I kind of feel sorry for you because this is a game that needs to be experienced. And I actually cannot wait to uh, play it again. And I hope there is a sequel. I know a lot of people are saying there's no, not going to be a sequel. I don't want a sequel. I want a sequel. They did so good with this. I trust whatever they do next, because if you, and one thing we didn't mention is the title screen changes when you beat the game to show like a happy you know, colorful, uh, the, the boat on a colorful island, which is, hints that they might have found the fireflies. So maybe you know, that would be, that the is next the actual, yeah, well, like I, I Google
1: Catalina island. Yeah. The Catalina Island. And it is the, mm-hmm.
2: but what's there. Area. We have no idea. So could be the fireflies. We have no idea, but I think, whoa, uh, whoa,
1: whoa. there's a few things we completely missed. And just f- for the sake of time, we're not going to cover it, but we didn't talk about the museum scene and cried. Like, you were sitting behind me. I think you were eating because you ordered Chipotle. And I'm just sitting there and, like, Joel goes out of his way and gets his tape. And, like, that's playing. I'm just like, oh, yeah, I'm good. Like, we we got this. Eat your Chipotle. <laughs> and I, I love the fuck out of that scene. And, like, I'm a nerd when it comes to, like, dinosaurs in space and shit. So, like, right up my alley. And then... Um, the scars, the wolves, and like all of that dynamic covered in Abby's story was such a great world building for mm-hmm. everything Ellie did. Love the crap out of it, but that's my last.
2: Yeah, no, I mean, I, I trust you me. I, I wanted to get eight eight to the hours. museum, but we just we went all over the place in all kinds of other directions. But I, I, I agree. I mean, I, I never would have thought that the giraffe scene in Last of Us Part One could have ever been topped but I think they did it umpteen times over in this game in ways that I never would have imagined uh, they would go. And I think the museum is is a perfect example of that. But what a perfect game, Ryan. We'll be unpacking this for weeks, months, years to come, as many people will. But I hope everyone enjoyed not only us dissecting everything about The Last of Us Part Two in this spoiler-filled discussion, but we hope you enjoyed hearing our special guest, Josh, Please, for the sake of the listeners, can you plug everything you're on, Twitter, your podcast? Where can our listeners find you?
0: Okay, it's a few things. I do a Twitter account that's really funny. <laughs> <should follow> me. <laughs> it's hilarious. No, not really. Uh, at Frantic Society, um, my Twitter handle, and I do a podcast every other week. It's called Frantic Thoughts. I kind of sit down for a little under an hour is what I usually shoot for and talk about my life things i've been enjoying recommend stuff talk a little bit on news it's kind of a random mishmash whatever of what i'm interested in and i'm on the cartridge club podcast uh occasionally we kind of rotate hosts now so i'll be on there and then i do a pc podcast called quick save club where i play a game of the month that's a pc game and um I think that's everything i also do some other stuff with the cartridge club i'm over there helping those guys out and being on shows all the time over there so awesome
2: well please listeners check out josh especially his his frantic thoughts podcast you can find it on all your favorite podcasting platforms i enjoy every other week popping in there listening to you ramble about a whole assortment of things and you do an amazing job as a solo man podcast i can never do it and i my hat goes off to you good sir Ryan and I both, I think we can agree. Uh, Just thank you so much for joining us. It was fun to pick your brain about video games in the beginning of the show and talk about... What the hell did we talk about in the beginning? We we were all...
1: Well, I mean, similar to the story in The Last of Us Part Two. As Shrek said, it is like an onion.
2: You have to pull back many layers. (laughs) Josh is a complicated guy. Perfect, perfect. He has many layers. But we definitely want to thank also all of our listeners for tuning in to this fun episode of the Otaku Builders podcast. As always, if you want to get in on the Discord, the link is in the show notes. There's fun discussion going on there all the time. We recently restructured the Discord, so... We've got a pickups form where you can share the games that you've recently picked up and bought, maybe show off some of your game collection. If you've got a dog or a cat recently, (laughs) throw those pictures up there too. (laughs) Or if you just want to show off your furry friend, we're all about it. We can also write into the show at otakobrotherspodcasts at gmail.com, like Nolan did earlier in the show. If you want to write in for topic suggestions for Ryan and I to discuss on the podcast, you can do that. Or if you want to just write in with a random question or record yourself audio questions, we love those. Ryan, as we always say, anything that makes the show better. Yeah. But I always have to turn it back to you, Ryan. Do you have any parting words for our listeners as we wrap this episode up?
1: Yeah, just have another good week. Um, Adopt a dog and play The Last of Us Part 2. Actually, no. If you're at this far in the episode, you better have fucking played The Last of Us Part 2. So play a different game that is inferior to The Last of Us Part 2.
2: That's right. And if you find a cat on the road, pick it up, take it home, bandage that bad guy, give us some love.
1: Yeah, name it after Disney stuff.
2: And we'll see you next week on the Talk about this podcast. See ya.